were told it was to be a residential home for the elderly. The council were given to understand that same thing. So I think that we were all duped into this sort of quiet acceptance of what was going to be happening there. And North Hearts District Council have told us that the planning permission still stands because it was granted to care for people who need it. Elsewhere, the National Audit Office says a surge in the number of children reaching school age is putting the demand for places under strain. The spending watchdog says one in five primary schools is already full or over capacity. It predicts that more than a quarter of a million extra places will be needed by the autumn of next year. Now, a study suggested that men who've served in the army are more likely to commit a violent crime than their civilian counterparts. Researchers from London compared more than 13,000 serving and former military personnel with police records to assess the impact of their deployment to Iraq and Afghanistan. And a homeless centre in Buckinghamshire says it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for comic relief money. Open Door, which is based in Bletchley, offers services such as hot meals, clothes and even advice on things like housing. Jonathan Joseph Proctor started using the service when he became homeless. We went to this Open Door and since then that gave us a bridge and a new lease of life in Milton Keynes to really appreciate Comic Relief and um, what it's done with funding Open Door because it's so important to this community. Moving on to sport now and Tottenham are through to the Europa League quarterfinals. That's despite losing 4-1 at Inter Milan last night. They went through in away goals. Also Chelsea will be in the quarterfinals as well as Fernando Torres scored the goal as Chelsea beat Stoa Bocarest 3-2 on aggregate. Weather then and it's going to be quite cloudy today. Some sleep possible at first and then occasional rain that will stay quite cold with temperatures of 8 degrees Celsius. What are that's, you laughing for? Why are you laughing? You're trying to disrespect to to um, the weather and to the listener, Serena. What's going on? It's 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 just you know things, isn't it? In general, <laughs> actually, there's. Are you, have you, I, what are you smoking no, up can there? Can I say you, you know when you well you know Justin. Oh, oh, just oh, Justin yeah. Dealey, what's he doing? Yeah, I don't want to tell you what he's doing. Oh, dear. You can, listen, if you can get a photograph of it, I don't know if you've got I a zoom lens big enough, uh, you can report him for bullying. Yeah, but I would report you as well, because it's similar to what you right, did gotta, to gotta me go, earlier. Right, got to go on with the show now, Serena. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. She's talking about... Good morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Friday. To quote R. Kelly, it's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. But before the fun, the seriousness of the show. Hang on, that doesn't sound right. Lots coming up between now and nine o'clock, including the uh, latest development in the HS2 story. Comic relief is being celebrated. I've baked a fancy cake. I've baked a fancy cake. And mums, there's a story in a newspaper today about two mums that they kind of swap their children when it comes to breastfeeding. Would you be happy to breastfeed a child that wasn't yours? It it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. What was everyone putting faces for? You can send me a text if you want. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, a judge at the High Court is due to give a ruling on legal challenges to the government's HS2 high-speed rail scheme later. Opponents are asking for the controversial multi-billion pound project to be sent back for reconsideration with five separate cases under review. The first phase of HS2 would see a high-speed railway line through the Chilterns from London to Birmingham. Well, Sim Harris is the managing editor of the industry newspaper Rail News. Good morning, Sim. Good morning, Ian. Bring... And I promise to keep a straight face. Please Even though do. it's Red Nose Day, I, I will be... Very serious, because otherwise I shall become rebuked. Exactly. Well, you, I don't want to rebuke no. you, but I, I will do if I have to. Re- very quickly, remind us what HS2 is, what it's hoping to set out to achieve. Yes, in a couple of sentences. HS2, new high-speed... <coughs> do excuse me, it's been a long night. Uh, new high-speed line from London to Birmingham. Branches off then to Leeds and Manchester. Should all be finished by about 2033. Current headline cost £32 billion. What are the benefits of HS2? Well, I, I've been a bit agnostic about this, to be honest, over the years. I didn't immediately say, whoopee, lovely new train set, even though I am the editor of Rail News, because lovely new train sets are not really what we're about. However, I've spoken to lots of people now, name-dropping shamelessly. I've talked to David Higgins, who's the chief executive of Network Rail. I've spoken to other people in, in government, for example. And the problem is, if we don't build HS2, the present railway will be full. If you live over on the western side of the three counties area, somewhere like Leighton Buzzard or Milton Keynes, you will know how many trains go through those stations every hour. There is room for very little more. And uh, David Higgins, who I've just mentioned, of Network Rail, has said we are pounding that route into the ground. It, it's going to be interesting to see if it does hold up until 2026, when the first bit to Birmingham of HS2 is scheduled to open. That's the real argument. We need some more railway. So we couldn't. There, there, some people are arguing that we should just be spending more on the railway we've got already. That wouldn't be enough. The problem is that the railways we've got at the moment were all built in the 19th century. They were built in an era when 60 miles an hour was thought to be fast. The West Coast Main Line, in particular, that's the one through Leighton Buzzard, Milton Keynes, curves a lot. It has tight, small tunnels built in the days when really the stagecoach was still, a, you know, around. It is not suitable for upgrading to a modern high-speed line. Did try to upgrade it a few years ago. The costs went through the roof. They, they got to 14 billion and the plug was pulled. The, the whole project was replanned, came down to 9 billion, and that's what they did. Still things go wrong. Do you remember the problems at Bletchley just a few yes, days ago? Yes, I do. When all the overhead wires came down? Yep. That may not be related to the condition of the West Coast Main Line, but it may. We don't know. But the West Coast is working too hard, and it's going to need some relief soon. So what's happening at the High Court today? This, this can't scupper the whole project. No, I don't, I don't. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think the judge has got the power to tell the government and parliament, you may not do this. What the judge can do is say your consultation was rubbish. You lost several hundred responses. They did. Wow. I don't defend it. And that, you have to agree, the opponents have a point. If you have a consultation, everyone deserves to be heard, surely. And because of problems, they weren't. I think what this is, is not going to scupper it. I don't think that's on the cards, but it could delay it. Um, and, and at the moment, I think the view in the Chilterns and other places is delay is better than nothing. If it doesn't get delayed today, what's the next step? Well, the next step is what's called a paving bill, which is, well, I think that'll be happening anyway, to be honest. Uh, and that's nothing to do with the pavement. It's everything to do with money. A paving bill gives the government the right to spend some preliminary money on getting on with the early planning, the diversion of utilities, the setting out of the scheme in more detail and so on. That's scheduled, we believe, to be in the Queen's speech in May. Uh, 
We don't know, but I'm told it probably will be. Sim, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate it. Uh, 08459-455555 is the phone number. We'll talk more after this. A little bit of Dion Warwick.
made a cake. I have. I've made a cake. I've made a cake for comic relief, and um, we're the, the, I believe that um, who else has made a cake? Helen Lee. Basically, the weekend breakfast team. Helen Lee and David Prever uh, have made cakes, and we will be um, uh, eating our cakes live on it. It's for comic relief. I'm not quite sure how we're raising money for comic relief by making cakes and eating them, and we've spent our money on the ingredients. <laughs> so I don't. Instead of us putting money in a pot for something, we've made a cake. So if anybody can explain how that uh, would be raising money for comic relief then let me know there's a story in the center page of the sun today sisters who share extraordinary and intimate bond right? which is nice the sisters ex- bonding great wonderful love that then you read the headline we breastfeed each other's children Ooh. there's something not quite right about that Having breastfed her son Mason, three, and six-month-old daughter Penelope, Courtney's been very open about motherhood. Uh, the, uh, the pair, basically, two sisters, one of their kids gets hungry, they, they, they swap, they swap children. I don't know why I'm a huge fan of, of breasts and feeding and breastfeeding combined, but the thought of breastfeeding a child that isn't yours strikes me as very, very odd. Makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. If you're a mum, have you done it? Can we find someone who's listening to the show who go, yeah, I, I, I breastfed another another kid that wasn't mine? Or does it turn your stomach? 08459 455 555. We've sent Justin Dealey out to ask about this. I'm not sure if he's the right person. Anyway, here's the travel with Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Ian. Well, nothing much to report so far on our roads. Traffic is moving freely on the motorways and major A routes. There are roadworks that might cause some delays later. The M25 has a speed restriction of 50 miles an hour and narrow lanes in both directions. Between Junction 23 for South Mims and 25 for Enfield. Over in Stoke Mandeville, Risborough Road has temporary lights up around the roadworks near Old Risborough Road. And in Milton Keynes Village, Tongwell Street is shut for resurfacing work near Linda's Farm Drive. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Brooke. Morning, it's 6.15, it's Friday the 15th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The High Court is set to decide whether the government made serious errors before approving HS2. Residents living near a care home in Bulldog say they never knew it was for people with mental health problems. And in sport, both Tottenham and Chelsea are through to the Europa League quarterfinals. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. A cloudy day with some sleep possible at first and then occasional rain. It's going to be cold, although max temperature is 8 degrees. And coming up, people living in Bulldogs say they've been fooled and bamboozled into thinking a residential home at the end of their gardens was for the elderly, when in fact it's for people with mental problems. We'll hear more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. There's a sporting story emerging. Paul Buckle has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an application regarding the Primark development. Local talking points. The Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel. There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We were allowed evacuating from the 
train and we had to go back to Ratchet and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from 3 on BBC Three Counties Radio. This is a wonderful song. Wonderful song. What a start to the morning. The turtles, happy together. Imagine me and you, I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right to think about the girl you love and hold her tight. So happy together. If I should call you up, invest a dime, and you say you belong to me, lose my mind. Imagine how the world could be So very fine So happy together Toss the dice, it had to be The only one for me is you And you for me, so happy together the dice it had to be the only one for me is you and you for me so happy together The dice, it had to be The only one for me is you And you for me So happy together So happy together And how is the weather So happy together We're happy together is just wonderful pop i might have a little bit of a turtles thing this weekend i like the turtles they're good they're silly and they're wonderful now people living in bulldog say they have been fooled and bamboozled into thinking a residential home at the end of their gardens was for the elderly when in fact it's for people with mental problems this is a story which has angered residents it's been in the comic newspaper this week bulldog manor is listed online as being a home for people with mental illness and learning disabilities but the planning application was simply for a care home Local residents claim a new metal fence proves there's now a secure unit there too. Peter Foxworthy took our reporter Jessica Cooper into his garden to show her how close the building is to their homes. As you can see, you can get a good idea of the proximity of the complex to our houses. Just the other side of the wooden fence is a chain-link fence which is slightly lower in height 
That's about a yard away from the wooden fence. When did the, the fence go up? What, what is your concern about the fence then, really? That went up uh, first week in February. In fact, Sandra just got on a ladder uh, to her fence, said to one of the crew that were um, erecting this thing, uh, excuse me, but what are you doing? And they said, um, well, this is part of a secure unit. And that was the first indication we had that there was going to be a security unit there that had been denied when we had an open day there back in spring of last year. How do you feel then about how this has been handled and from from what you knew at the beginning to what you know now? Well, we as the residents received original copies of the planning application, made our own inquiries as to the type of clientele they were anticipating. We were told it was to be a residential home for the elderly the council themselves were given to understand that same thing. So I think that we were all duped into this sort of quiet acceptance of what was going to be happening there. Mm. Not given the true facts about what it was going to be, who it was going to be for, and the impact it was going to have on our lives. Hello, I'm Sandra Brown. I'm more concerned about what the people are going to be in there. How has life here changed for you? Well, there has been a lot of bad language over there and we've heard it in the morning and it's just not on. Uh, Not a lot because I don't think many people are in there at the moment. Mm. But what happens when it's all full up? That's my worry. Mm. I mean, and the secure unit, well, just blows your brain away. It's a bit near a house in the state for a secure. I could understand if it was in a big field, but not right next to... Houses. I mean, people listening to this might say, well, where where do we have facilities no. like this? Where's the right place? I, I can understand anybody with mental issues, and if they've got to be looked after, they've got to be looked after. But lock up right next to a house in estate, it's a bit frightening. And if they've had an incident that they had to put that fence up without permission, what incident did they have? That's what I would like to know. That's worrying me. That's at the back of my garden. I know mental health people have to go somewhere. And I know it's a terrible thing to happen to people. But, my God, not the lock-up bit. They might not even be that bad. And we're all making it worse than what it is. Mm. But let someone from the home come and tell us. They've only got to knock on our door and say, this is it. Da, 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 da. And it, it'd go, this whole incident would go away. Mm. But no one has. Well, we repeatedly asked Navita, who run the home, for a comment, but so far they failed to provide one. So we haven't been able to confirm whether there is a secure unit or lock-up, as the residents call it, at Baldock Manor. North Hearts District Council says the planning permission still stands no matter who the residents are because it was granted to care for people who need it. 08459 455 555. Let's have a look at the uh, front pages of the newspapers. Uh, soup, the Independent. Supergrass takes hacking scandal into new territory. No, not the pop group, I'm afraid. Uh, It's a whistleblower. Mirror Group shares fall by 20% as editor, deputy and two former editors are held. New list of alleged victims identified. Explosive email exchanges seized by police. Evidence from a supergrass is understood to have prompted yesterday's arrests of the former Sunday Mirror editor, Tina Weaver, amongst... Others. It's the story that keeps on giving. She's on, Tina Weaver's on the front page of the Times as well. Uh, and all this going on, well, while uh, you, the leaders can't come up with um, 
They, they can't agree on what they should do about press regulation. Commons showdown on future of the press. It was all kicking off yesterday. Did you see David Cameron giving quite, quite an angry like, pres- press conference saying, yeah, well... Didn't start it, yeah, well, but he was like, yeah, well, basically, my idea's right, and uh, the other gentlemen, they're not interested. And then someone asked him a question, saying, aren't you just doing a bit of posturing, Mr Cameron? And he went mental. Absolutely bonkers. David Cameron gambled his authority on a Commons showdown over the future of the press yesterday after pulling the plug on all party efforts to reach agreement on a new newspaper regulator. Um, hmm... Let's have a look at the... Go- Sorry, I should probably read that out instead of me just reading stories in my head and going, mm. Hobbit gambling row is the, the story I was reading on the front page of the Times. The Tolkien Trust has begun legal action against Warner Brothers in an attempt to stop the author's characters from falling into the clutches of online gambling sites. So I guess, like, you know, um, the Fox is now owned by Foxy Bingo. They're worried that the Hobbit will be owned by... Hobbity bingo. The Guardian. I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's Miranda on the front page pointing at me. What? Apologising for being rude the last time she met me? No, she's not. It's Comic Relief, Red Nose Day today, and to celebrate, to celebrate Comic Relief, I have made myself a lovely cake. We've all made um, cakes. Ian. Yes, sorry. Just, just before we Hang on a second. Sorry, I'm just doing the thing. So we've all made cakes. I've made a cake, Helen Lee. I think we should be honest, though. OK, Ollie, I'm just going to turn your microphone down for a second there. Thank you. We've all made cakes. Uh, me, Helen Lee and David Priva have made cakes, and we've got uh, a, some, a winner of the Great British Bake Off coming in later on to judge the cakes. Uh, also on the Guardian, um, UK and France, we must arm Syrian rebels. Cameron and Hollande in the same place, but face a fight for EU backing. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. Oh, this is good. It's the Pope's ex. The Pope's ex. The woman named only as Amalia outside her Buenos Aires home. She said the young future Pope told her, if I can't marry you, I'll become a priest. That's nice, isn't it? PM Sachs advisor. This is the Telegraph, if I've not mentioned that. PM Sachs advisor in row over forces pay. Professor fought to or, uh, fought order to limit raises, claiming servicemen needed compensation for job cuts. And uh, oh, Matt really, Matt draws what we're all thinking, and he does it in a very very amusing way. Matt, um, it's a, it's a picture of some cardinals, and the heading is Conclave Part Two. And one cardinal is saying to another, right, now, who are we backing in the Cheltenham Gold Cup? <laughs> Matt. We should get Matt. I'd love to see Matt do stand-up. Does he do stand-up? I would love to see him do stand-up. We should get Matt on the line one day. The Daily Express, tea and coffee, cut risk of stroke. Yeah, right, OK. The Daily Mail. Coalition is torn apart. Cameron talks of hung Parliament as Miliband and Clegg form alliance in bid to shackle free press. Oh, I see, oh, okay. You can see where the mail are coming from. The Miliband and Clegg form alliance in bid to shackle free press. Is that what they're doing, Daily Mail, or are they just trying to get in some slightly stricter guidelines that you can't opt out of any time you want, and you can't choose who's in charge of it, and you can't choose what goes in the guidelines? Is that what they're trying to do? I don't know. Maybe. And uh, there's a picture of uh, Pippa um, Middleton. Um, it looks like she's got an afro. I'm not studying the picture enough to, to go anymore. And The Sun, exclusive cops new lead, Maddie, hunt for six Brit cleaners. Uh, the Sun has also got the story uh, in there about breastfeeding somebody else's child. Would you do it? Would you breastfeed someone else's child? If you're a mum and you've done it, 08459 455555. Or if you think... I think it sounds disgusting... 
But I don't know why it sounds disgusting. 08459 four double five five double five. Right, let's get the travel news now with Brooke Burbitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's not looking too bad at all on this morning on our roads. It's just the usual morning queues in Bricketwood on the A405 North Orbital Road. My speed sensors are picking up heavy traffic at the roundabout for the M25 at Junction 21A. And there's also roadworks on the M1 northbound between Junction 14 for Milton Keynes and 15 for Northampton. The hard shoulder is closed and there's a speed restriction of 50 miles an hour. No problems reported on the trains. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. It's nearly 6.30. Time for the latest news and sport now. Here's Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The High Court will decide whether the government made serious errors before approving HS2. That's the high-speed rail line which will run through Buckinghamshire. Four protest groups, including several councils and even a golf club, have asked for judicial reviews of the scheme, claiming there was insufficient consultation. Elsewhere, some people in Baldock claim they've been fooled into thinking a residential care home behind their own houses was for the elderly and not people with mental problems. Baldock Manor is for people with mental illness and learning disabilities. The National Audit Office says a surge in the number of children reaching school age is putting the demand for places under strain. The spending watchdog says one in five primary schools is already full or over capacity. And a homeless centre in Buckinghamshire says it wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for comic relief money. Here on Comic Relief Day, Open Door, which is based in Bletchley, offers services such as hot meals, clothes and advice on things like housing. That's the news. Now let's turn to all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So Watford striker Troy Deeney says he's learned from his past mistakes ahead of tomorrow's championship match at Barnsley. He missed the beginning of the season because of a jail sentence but came back in September. MK Dons are in League One action as well against promotion challengers Tranmere. Manager Carl Robinson feels the visitors should be applauded for what they've achieved this season but he's now desperate to claim all three points. We've got to take your hat off and applaud them. They come into this, we played them and they were top. We'll beat them. I want to beat them again on Saturday, but there's a great deal of respect that I've got for that football club, as you well know, as a part of the world that I know well. Board of directors and everybody there, I know them personally as well, so it'd be nice to sort of meet up with them. But I've got to beat them. Turning to Luton and town manager there, John Still has promised to make lots of changes to his playing squad in the summer. The Hatters are at leaders Wrexham tomorrow. Meanwhile, Tottenham have reached the Europa League quarter-finals. They'd taken a 3-0 lead into their match against Inter Milan, but lost 4-1 on the night, meaning they only went through thanks to an extra-time goal. Chelsea also went through to the last eight of the competition as well. They beat Stour Bucharest 3-2 over the two legs. And finally, in boxing, Bedford's Matt Skelton fights for the vacant English heavyweight title this evening. Skelton's facing John McDermott at York Hall in Bethnal Green. BBC Three Counties Radio, more news and sport from me at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, I don't think, uh, we've tweeted this this story, would you um, breastfeed somebody else's children? I don't think you're taking this seriously. Some of the, the tweets I've had I can't read out. Mark says... I would if I didn't have to shave my nipples. No, 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 no. I'm not talking to you, Mark. I'm talking to ladies. Women, have you done it? Are you a mum that's breastfed another person's child? Am I making, um, I was to say, a mountain out of a molehill here, but that's, that's, that's probably an inappropriate phrase. Would you do it? Or do, like me, do you think it's disgusting? I don't know why it's disgusting. It just it, it feels a bit... 
Oh, uncomfortable. Justin Dealey is out and about investigating this. Again, I, I, I do worry if we've sent the right person out on this job. We're talking about that and lots more stuff this morning. 08459 455 555. Hey, it's comic relief today. Comic Relief raises money to fight poverty and social injustice in the UK and across the world. Well, there's one homeless centre in Buckinghamshire that says it wouldn't exist exist if it wasn't for money from the charity. Our reporter, Lorna Hankin, went to visit the homeless project called Open Door. For whatever reason someone visits Open Door, we are able to send them to people for help with mental health issues, drugs, alcohol, housing, debt, welfare benefits. Or they're just scared. A lot of people who come through don't think that they're worth bothering about themselves you know for themselves jacqueline longman runs this homeless center here in bletchley she says without comic relief money they simply wouldn't exist based here in a small hall they offer a safe haven for people like jonathan there's a lot of stigma attached to homelessness and i was an operations manager for a major blue chip corporation so i had everything and then suddenly through the recent economic position i I lost everything all of a sudden so i found my myself homeless with a um, a friend and we didn't know where to go and it was lucky we found the sandwich run and the street ministers said that there's an organization called open door so we went to this open door and we met Jacqueline and since then that gave us a bridge and a new lease of life in Milton Keynes to really appreciate Comic Relief and um, what it's done with funding Open Door because it's, it's so important to this community. But what do they offer that's so good? There is, you get a free meal. <laughs> but you get to share your stories with other people. So you know on a Monday or on a Wednesday that everybody else is going to be there, gathered. So if you need help or if you need assistance, they're going to know where else to go during the week, where else you can get fed, where else you can get clothed. And without that, honestly, because you, you can't approach anybody else in your previous life because of the stigma. You're homeless now, you failed in this society. You've got nowhere to stay, you've got no shelter, but also psychologically, you feel depressed, so you can't function properly, you can't speak to people, you can't approach anyone, you don't know what authorities you can go to, and you are alone, and that is the worst position to be in. We all just want to recover and get back on our feet so then we can be functioning members of society. Many people who've used this service and others like it in the past are encouraged to help volunteer here, and that's exactly exactly what Chris did, an ex-heroin addict who became homeless himself and ended up in prison. My life started becoming so chaotic that I wasn't paying my rent, I wasn't feeding myself, ended up losing my place to live. So the next stage is maybe going to other users and the next step is you just end up on the streets and the loneliness that comes with it. I end up using drugs and then when I'm out of my head using more drugs because I'm out of my head and it turns into like a vicious circle and the guilt and the shame of it places like this you can come you're not being judged and you find that people are there to support you and hopefully with people walking through the door and just planting that little tiny seed and offering them support and the advice then hopefully that can get them on the road to recovery. Well for more information on Red Nose Day visit comicrelief.com and watch the antics from our region and across the country tonight on BBC One from 7pm and uh, about 8.30 I think it is we've got um, one of the winners of the Great British Bake Off is coming in to judge the cakes that Helen Lee, David Prever and myself have been making from um, a special Ian. Ollie I'm just doing the Hang on a second I'm doing the radio Ollie just please uh, the special cakes that we've made from the Great British Bake Off uh, recipe book. So I've got mine sitting beside me here. But I really think as the BBC... Okay, Ollie, I'm just going to have to let you go there. Please stop interrupting while I'm doing the radio show. Very rude.
I'm gonna find ya I'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you one way or another I'm gonna win ya I'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you one way or another I'm gonna see ya I'm gonna meet you, meet you, meet you, meet you one day Maybe next week I'm gonna meet ya I'm gonna meet ya, I'll meet ya I will drive past your Uh, one Direction and uh, doing a little medley of one way or another, Stroke Teenage Kicks, and that's the official comic relief song as opposed to all those unofficial comic relief songs that are floating around at the moment. Naughty, naughty people. Now, in one of the papers today, there's a story about breastfeeding. There, there are two sisters, they kind of just swap their kids and breastfeed each other's kids. And the kids look about 14. <laughs> they do. Well, I think the eldest one they breastfeed is three. I think that's too old to breastfeed, but um, anyway... Is it ever okay to breastfeed someone else's children? Big fan of breastfeeding when, when it can be done. I'm not one of those people that, that are shy about it. If you want to do it in a restaurant, girls, you do it. Sisters, you want to sit out, you know, in, in a shopping centre outside Smith's and breastfeed your child, you do it. Do whatever you need to do. I don't mind in the slightest. But breastfeeding somebody else's child seems a little bit odd. It, 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 it sits a little uncomfortably with me. Well, we've sent out Ariola correspondent Justin Dealey out and about this morning. Justin? <laughs> Ian, good morning. I've heard your comments. Why am I not the right man for the job? I'm slightly confused. Can, I, you, can you back this up for it, me? It's because you're slightly confused. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm worried that you, your tongue will be in your cheek no. and you won't be taking this serious social issue seriously. Not at all. It's a serious story. I, I've seen the photographs. I've read the article. I'm in Luton this morning. I've been getting people's views. Some rather strong. Take a listen to this. Well, sir, you're looking at this article here in the sun. Give us your 
honest reaction to, to what you're seeing and what you're reading here. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just stick with your own kids, not animals. It's, like, it's a bit sort of uh, close to the mark, that is. That ain't right. So, am I going a bit too far in saying that seeing that makes you feel a bit sick? Um, well, not sick, sick, but, uh, well, disgusting, really. You just, just shouldn't have it. Okay, madam, again, your views on, on what you're seeing here? I think they're taking um, it a bit too far. I think they should get a bit of a life, I think. Uh, Gary, what's your reaction to this story? Is it just wrong? I think due to the fact that there are sisters that know it's not wrong. So you think it's perfectly acceptable, it's just something they do, that, that they are sisters, so what's the problem? I don't think there's any problem at all, and I think they'll grow up to be very healthy children. And uh, just one more view on this. Uh, Madam, again, I'm walking around here with this article, which looks a bit weird in itself, but um, what's your views on these two sisters and, and what they're doing? Well, I'm sure it's quite fine. It suits them, and if the babies are healthy, what's the problem? So mixed, a mixed response mm. there, Justin. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, the first man we spoke to, I mean, I wish it was TV because his face, when I showed him the article, <laughs> he said, are you for real? Yes, I am for real. Um, can we get your views on this? But, but some people very unhappy about it. But others saying, look, what's the problem? At the end of the day, they are sisters as well. They are not strangers. They are sisters. But still, it's somebody else's kid, Justin. (laughs) I mean, my personal view, when I heard about this this morning, I was thinking, really? I mean, I'd not heard of that before myself. Not for me, certainly. (laughs) Not for you. (laughs) Justin, whereabouts are you off to this morning? I'm going to be off to uh, Lewiston very soon. We spoke about a story a few weeks ago about a village green in uh, Butley Road in Lewiston. Well, they they were hoping to get it converted to a village green, weren't they? Exactly what they wanted. They wanted that area protected. What they didn't want to do was look out of their windows and see lots of homes. Well, there was a big meeting last night. We're going to be finding out live after seven whether they got village green status if they did you would think that homes wouldn't be built there but um we should find out a bit more later on justin excellent stuff as always thank you very much we can sneak in a little cheeky man for a man here i think my name is jack and i live in the back of the greta garbo home with friends i will remember wherever i may roam
please, Jack. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. If you want to take part, it's 6.45. Let's get the travel now with Brooke Burford. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M11 northbound between Junction 5 at Loughton and Junction 6 for the M25 has a vehicle on fire partly blocking the road. I'm checking my cameras. I can also see heavy traffic in Borehamwood on the A1 Barnet Bypass heading south from Stirling Corner all the way to Apex Corner. And nearby in Wealdstone, there are works going on the gas mains on the high road near Riz- Rising Home Road and temporary lights are up there and that might cause some delays later. Brooke Burford, BBC Three, Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. It's 6.46, it's Friday the 15th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A judge at the High Court is due to give a ruling on legal challenges to the HS2 rail scheme later today. Residents living near a care home in Baldock say they weren't told it was for people with mental health problems. In sport, Tottenham, Chelsea and Newcastle are now through to the Europa League quarterfinals after their games last night. Coming up before seven, we'll catch up with my adopted nanny Eileen to see what she's been up to this week. Always a joy to find out. And also, we're going to find out what she thinks of our brand new BBC introducing track. But before that, here's the weather with Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Now the good news is it is a slightly milder start to the day than we've been seeing recently with temperatures now above freezing. We're going to see outbreaks of rain though for the rest of the day so looking really rather bleak I'm afraid. Um, That rain can pep up for a time this afternoon. Lots of thick cloud and the wind's picking up. It's a southwesterly wind so it's coming from a milder wind direction than the easterly and the northwesterly that we've been seeing recently. That's some good news as well but, um, but it is going to turn rather blustery into this afternoon and the evening. Temperatures today up to 7 or even 8 degrees Celsius later on in Bletchley, in Luton and um, and in High Wycombe too. That's uh, 46 in Fahrenheit, so it is feeling a touch milder but of course not very pleasant. It's a rather grey day and it is going to rain at times too. Now for this evening and overnight it's just more of the same really. Outbreaks of further rain at times, lots of thick clouds starting the day off tomorrow on around 4 or 5 degrees Celsius and it will be a wet start to what's looking like a rather wet weekend at times. That rain band should clear though through the morning across the three counties clearing Hertfordshire last of course before pushing off to the east and then after that we're going to see some sunshine and some showers so a bit of brightness Debbie had on Saturday afternoon but I'd say in terms of brightness and sunshine Sunday is probably your best bet now temperatures still below the average for this time of year between six and eight degrees really across the weekend um, but um, but on Sunday we should see a bit of dry weather around just watch out for a few slow moving showers same sort of story on Monday by Tuesday there's a good chance that it's going to turn cold again so um so yeah watch out for that and enjoy the rain today oh dear <laughs> that's the forecast oh, thanks a lot elizabeth how do you sound so jolly when it's so miserable oh i love all sorts of weather really what's your favorite fa- <laughs> what's the perfect rosini weather Oh, I like it after a cold front has gone through, which actually this is a cold front and it's all bright and sunny and then you get a nice big slow moving shower in the distance and you can really track it coming across. Great. (laughs) Thank you very much, Elizabeth. It's nice to hear people passionate about their work, isn't it? You don't get that very often these days. 
Tackling your consumer problems. On BBC Three Counties Radio. My son took it uh, back to the, the garage. The mechanic says, yeah, I know what it is. So they took it in, done what they had to do, and the car was still the same, still doing the same thing. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. The long and short of it is, he agreed that he would replace the car. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. I'd like to thank you and your team for everything you've done. We wouldn't have got where we got without you. It's a pleasure. I'm going to call that a result. Any other problems, you know where I am, Stuart. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, BBC Introducing supports the unsigned, undiscovered and upcoming musicians from the Three Counties. If you're making music in beds, hearts and bucks and you want to get it heard on the BBC, yes, then you can upload your best tracks and it might get played on BBC Introducing or it might get played on this show. Go to bbc.co.uk forward slash introducing. Your track could become the introducing track of the week. More importantly, it could be reviewed by my adopted Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Ian. How are you this morning? You're right. I'm very well, thank you. You're becoming a little bit of a celebrity. Oh, you're joking. No, you know we had that um, lovely song, it was a little bit sad, but that lovely song last week. Yes. Well, the young lady who uh, wrote and performed the song was on Twitter going, I've just had my song played on BBC um, Three Counties, yes. I'm worried what Nanny Eileen might think about oh, it. Oh, bless her. So isn't that, you, that's exciting, the young people are keen to get your opinions. Oh. You're like David Jacobs. Was it, did David Jacobs present Jukebox Jury? Yes. It was, wasn't it? You're like David Jacobs. Oh, thanks. What have you been up to this week, Nanny Eileen? Uh, well, not a lot, because it was just a little bit chilly. Yeah, it was freezing. Um, did have a lovely walk over the heathland with the greyhounds. Yeah. And friends, that was brilliant, and a glass of beer afterwards, of yeah. course. Um, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, but tomorrow, uh, we've got the uh, a greyhound uh, uh, tabletop sale in Sandwich, so I'm just hoping that the weather will be a little bit milder and not raining. Because you're, you're, you're selling greyhounds on a tabletop? No, no, no. No, no. making money for the greyhounds, oh. for greyhound rescue. Where is it, Nanny Island? Give it a little plug. At Sandridge. Okay, fantastic. In the village hall. And people can come down, can they? And, and, yes, and they can, from 11 until 1. Wonderful, wonderful. And it is a brilliant, a brilliant jumble sale, basically. I love a good jumble sale. Oh, so do I. E- eBay has kind of ended car boots and jumble sales. And that's a shame, because I, li- I love a good rummage. Oh, you can rummage there. Oh, do... you can have a right good rummage. Nanny <laughs> 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 <Daddy> Eileen! <laughs> you're naughty, naughty Nanny Eileen. Uh, now, uh, you're yeah. right, it's been, it's been very cold this week. What, what, what do you do to keep warm, Nanny Eileen? Apart um, from having a rummage. Oh, uh, damn art and a woolly bonnet. You do what? Wear me bonnet. Oh, wait, wait, you're bo- <laughs> <laughs> Have you been drinking this morning? No. Okay, you're a little, bit, a little bit giggly. I like it when you're giggly. It means you're being a bit naughty. Now, oh, but guess what? At the end of the show this morning... Yes. As well as the uh, chocolate cake that I've made that's going to be judged by the winner of the Great British Bake Off. I spent all last really? night... Yeah, I spent all last night cooking this cake. Really? So, uh, all, all last night you made it, did you? Yes, Ollie, I did. Spend, are you sure? I think we should be true. Uh, Ollie, thank you very much. I don't know why Ollie keeps inter- interrupting. I spent all last night making this cake, Nanny yes. Eileen, and it's going to be judged um, against some of the other presenters' cakes. Yes. So apart from that, we've also got bagpipes coming in. Oh, I do not like bagpipes. Oh. Why, why don't you like the bagpipes? Um, well, if they're up on a, up a, up a mountain, fine. <laughs> well, well, you can't hear them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. We've got Donald Reed coming in to, to show us his pipes. Oh, really? Yes. Really? Yeah, I, I wonder if he'll let me have a blow. 
Probably Ooh. won't. Probably won't let me touch them. <laughs> anyway, listen, let's, we, we, we've got you here because we like you to listen to the uh, BBC Introducing track. Now, I've asked right. for something a little bit upbeat, a little bit poppy oh. Oh, good. this week. It's called Betty Said. Yes. It's by Natalie Cook, and she's from Hertfordshire. Should we have a little listen? Oh, yes, please. All right, Nelly, I will speak to you after this. Cook. She's from Hertfordshire. It's the BBC introducing track of the week. Well, Nanny Eileen, I, I, I do apologise. I promised you an upbeat, bouncy <laughs> song, and we got more, more misery. What did you think of that? I liked her music. I liked her voice. Yeah, nice voice, lovely voice, beautiful, clear Ooh, voice, wonderful. But these young people uh, worry me so much. Mm. They don't seem to have. I mean, life isn't all great all the time, no. but we all have our problems. But so many of them seem to dwell on sadness. Don't they just? What, what's what's wrong with what, them? They seem to wallow in it. Yeah. Hang on. Lally Island, stay there. Kelly Betts is producing this week. And Kelly, you also choose the BBC introducing tracks, don't you? I do. Do you ever get sent any ones that are, that are a bit joyous? Yes. Bit, oh, good. I need to get the balance right, though. I have yes. to make JVS happy forget, as well. You forget think. JVS. <laughs> he's, not, he's not important. Me and Nanny Island are the important ones in this <laughs> equation. OK, you tell me what sort of track you'd like for next week and I'll pop it in. What sort of track would you like, Nanny Eileen? Um, well, something a bit more cheerful. But the thing is, is that this is coming from their hearts and their souls, and they must be so ha- unhappy inside. Is life generally that sad these days? Well, let's ask Kelly Betts. Is um, eighteen years old? Kelly, is life? <laughs> 
You're a little bit older, but not much. Is life miserable and hard for you youngsters? No, it's actually OK. Because I tell you now, it gets worse as you get older. We don't know we're born. Sorry, Nanny Eileen. It doesn't. It, it's all downhill. From the time you're 19, it's all downhill. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen, Kelly, we want something upbeat, poppy, happy and fun next okay. week from Nanny Eileen. Can you do it? Yes. All right, oh, we're going to... thank you. Well, she, yeah, she said she would last week, so I'm not... Um... <laughs> what, what you, so, apart from your, your sale, Nanny Eileen, what have you got this weekend? Anything nice? Um... Well, no, that's it. Okay, well, but that is nice, and it's fun, and they're lovely people, and yeah. children come in, and I try and con their pocket money out of them. <laughs> you, you know, I <laughs> have a lovely time. I hope you raise Thank lots you. of money for the greyhounds. Thank you so Take much. Care, there we go. It's Nanny Eileen, my uh, adopted grandmother, for the show. Isn't she wonderful? And that song uh, was by Natalie Cook, which Betty said, and uh, they, she is from Hertfordshire. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Would you breastfeed? somebody else's child that's the question on everybody's lips at the moment um Ree says no i wouldn't breastfeed someone else's kid i find that idea really really creepy and oh so wrong then uh, illogical cal says and this does happen this is a middle class north london kind of thing it's worse when people make puddings from excess breast milk and try to give it away they do can i let you into a little secret Got two boys. They were um, the, the breast milk was involved. I was constantly begging my wife to let me try some breast milk, not from the sort, but from a little, you know, from a little bottle. She wouldn't let me. So one night when everyone was asleep, I, you know, dipped my finger in and had some. It's quite nice. Right, let's get the travel news. There's nothing weird about that. Here's the travel with Brooke Burfitt. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> Good morning. Well, traffic is quickly picking up here in this rush hour. On the M11 northbound, there's a vehicle on fire, partly blocking the road between Junction 5 at Loughton and 6 for the M25. The M25 is busy itself anti-clockwise between Junction 26 for Waltham Abbey and 25 for Enfield, probably not helped by the road burks nearby. Uh, there's the usual morning queues in Borehamwood on the A1 Barnet Bypass, heading south from Stirling Corner to Apex Corner, and also picking up congestion on the M1 southbound around Junction 11 for Dunstable. No problems are reported on the trains this morning. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. If you are a mum, have you breastfed somebody else's kids? Was there anything weird about it? Am I just being oversensitive about something that really isn't that odd at all? Or... Or does it disgust you? It disgusts me for some reason. I can't work out why. We'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking about HS2. We'll be finding out, did that little part of uh, Beds, Hearts and Bucks get converted to a village green? We'll discuss it after the news. Getting Beds, Hearts and Bucks talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7 o'clock, I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, results to be announced on HS2 Rail Line. Baldock residents angry they won't tell the truth about mental health home and plans for new press regulation. BBC Three Counties... 
The National Audit Office says a surge in the number of children reaching school age in England is putting the demand for places under strain. The spending watchdog says one in five primary schools is already full or over capacity. It predicts that more than a quarter of a million extra places will be needed by the autumn of next year. The High Court will decide this morning whether the government made serious errors before approving HS2. That's the high-speed rail line that will run through Buckinghamshire. Four protest groups, including several councils and a golf club, have asked for judicial reviews of the scheme, claiming there was insufficient consultation. Meanwhile, some people in Baldock claim they've been fooled into thinking a residential care home behind their own homes was for the elderly and not for people with mental health problems. Baldock Manor is for people with mental illness and also learning disabilities. The National Audit Office says a surge in the number of children reaching school age in England is putting the demand for places under strain. The spending watchdog says one in five primary schools is already full or over capacity. And the Homeless Centre in Buckinghamshire says it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for comic relief money. Open Door, which is based in Bletchley, offers services such as hot meals, clothes and advice on things like housing. And finally, David Cameron and the French President Francois Hollande will today try to persuade fellow European leaders at the EU summit in Brussels to lift the arms embargo against Syria. Yesterday, Mr Holland said France was ready to supply weapons to rebel forces fighting the government of President Assad. Turning to the weather then, and it's still quite a mild day, although we could see some rain later on. Temperatures reaching 8 degrees Celsius. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. W- what's going on? The, the, actually, the computer's completely crashed on me. Could you tell that? Well, I, I can tell that because it went there's silent. No audio. It went silent, and you're, you're a minute early. I've got I've got to do a minute's extra work. I filled quite well there, and in honesty, it's gold because I've got pieces of paper with me. See, technology. It's a good job I did have pieces of paper with me, isn't it? Otherwise, you wouldn't have had any news, quite frankly. You know, which isn't a good job, is it? Considering that's what I'm here for. Putting myself out of a job, really. Yeah. Anyway, should we move on? Let's move on, shall we? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Friday, and I apologise, but the show has kind of got that Friday feeling uh, about it. Lots coming up this morning, including... Protesters are at the High Court today to uh, try and stop, or at least pause, the plans for the HS2... Also, would you breastfeed somebody else's child? There's a story in the newspaper today that's really struck me as, uh, well, a little bit, I would say, unpleasant. I don't know why it's unpleasant, but it just makes me feel odd. There's two sisters, and they kind of swap kids when they're hungry. I'll feed your kid, you go off, I'll do you, do that. Don't you worry about that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. 81333 is uh, the text number. Start your text 3CR. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr and have your say. BBC Three Counties Radio. And uh, it is comic relief, and we're celebrating that with cakes. And also, we were talking about bagpipes earlier on in the week. We've got a piper coming in. We're going to have some bagpipes live on the air. Genuine. I, I know, we're going to lose half the audience. Uh, at ten minutes to nine, uh, half of you are going to switch off um, and say, well, it's not really... Mm, no. But I'm going to be loving it. Absolutely loving it. 
Now, a judge at the High Court is due to give a ruling on legal challenges to the government uh, government's HS2 high-speed rail scheme later on. Opponents are asking for the controversial multi-billion pound project to be sent back for reconsideration, with five separate cases under review. Well, we can talk now to Adam Thomas. He lives at Great Missenden in Buckinghamshire, along what could be the HS2 route. How does the planned route for HS2 affect you, Adam? Uh, hugely. Uh, it's totally devastated mine and my family's lives. Uh, we are four metres outside the voluntary purchase scheme, which means we're 124 metres away from the centre of the track, and the government won't compensate us at all. So w- what impact will being that close to the, the line have on you and your family? Uh, it, it'll devastate our lives. It means a major infrastructure project, as I say, is going to be about, from the edge, well, from the centre of the track, it's going to be 124 metres. Well, obviously, building that, they need masses of land. Uh, so they're going to be coming right up to the side of our property. We don't, we live in a very small property, uh, 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 basically a two-and-a-half-bedroom uh, place. Uh, we have a back garden of about 15 metres, which isn't very big. And then about four or five metres on the other side of that is where this zone starts. So effects-wise, it's going to be absolutely massive. They're going to be building in the uh, field on the other side of the road to us uh, a massive workers' camp, which might have hold up to 1,100 caravans. It's going to be a major works depot for all the machinery. They're pulling down our local pub, uh, which serves three villages, which is about 250 metres away. They're rechanging the road, rerouting the roads. They're building a bridge. As I say, they're putting the railway 124 metres away from our property. How did you find out about this, Adam? Did you get a letter through the post, or did you see it on the news? Uh, we saw it on the news. We didn't get a letter from the government for about a year after it wow. uh, was announced. Wow. You... And they won't speak to us at all. Uh, we've tried to get the government to speak to us. Uh, our MP, who's been very good, has tried to raise questions in the House and get the minister to speak to us, but they won't. And our situation is different from most, is because I'm a full-time wheelchair user. Uh, I have a lung condition where I put my, one of my ribs through on my right lung, so my right lung doesn't work properly, so I have breathing issues. I won't be able to live here with all the dust and the chaos and the mud. Uh, I can't step over trenches and things, which will be across our road uh, to get into our property, uh, but they won't take this into account. But the fact that we're four metres outside the voluntary purchase scheme and they won't consider uh, compensating us, I just think is disgusting. Why would there be trenches in your street, Adam? What, what will be going on there? Well, because uh, they're going to be digging up our road to relay the road. They're totally redirecting the road. Right. So it's a major... Ma- and they're, bu- they're going to be building a, a huge bridge and they're digging a, a you know, a, a huge... Uh, uh, cutting which is going to be about 60 meters wide you know there's going to be huge lorries and earth movers and diggers and and it's going to take about five and a half years to go past us what would you like to see happen uh i would like to see fair compensation i'd like to see i mean the whole project has been flawed i mean i only got involved with this obviously on a personal level when i found out it was affecting us otherwise like the majority of the general public, I wouldn't have been that interested, probably. But when you actually start looking into the, the business case, etc., etc., you realise how flawed the whole scheme is. I mean, if you just take the fact that 
you know, we're going to be spending all these billions and billions of pounds on a, a train to link up to Europe that doesn't. I mean, do the general public realise the train is going to go into Euston Station, then you've got to get off the train and walk for half a mile to St Pancras and get back on another train in another station to carry on your journey? Surely if we're going to build a new high-speed rail link, it must link up to the existing system. We're the only country in the Western world who's building a high-speed rail system that won't link up to its major airports. I mean, how crazy is that? Adam, stay there for a second, because I want to speak now to Stephen Joseph, who's the yeah. Hertfordshire-based chief exec for the organisation Campaign for Better Transport. Morning, Stephen. Oh, you're there. Sorry, good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Yeah. Morning. Doing, doing a show like this uh, for the last six months or so, I, I, I've heard lots of stories similar to Adam's. It's been a bit of a cock-up, hasn't it? Uh, uh, as a group, we've generally supported the principle of high-speed rail, but we absolutely agree that the way in which the government's gone about it has been pretty dire. Um, we've argued, that, uh, and I think they've taken a very narrow view of what blight is, how compensation works, how to consult, and we've consistently argued that they need to do better than this, that they need to give proper compensation early to people who are affected, um, uh, like uh, uh, your caller, and um, uh, that they need to, to um, plan things like this much better. They've done a bit better, I think, on the phase two going north of Birmingham, in that they've actually done a bit more prior consultation. But even there, there hasn't been any kind of um, detailed work. I, I do see there is one problem with this, is that, uh, which is that you, you either have to, you have to set out a general route and then do the detail, and uh, the government are caught in that they either don't you know uh, wait until they've got absolutely every detail sorted out and then publish um in which case people accuse them of having made all the decisions beforehand or they uh, put out general routes and then people say well you haven't done en enough detail but uh, the principle um uh, but the, the way in which the government have gone about this has been very poor particularly for um people in the ground affected what are the benefits stephen of hs2 the argument about HS2 is that, um, it, it, uh, firstly, I'd agree with a lot of the opponents that the business case the government put up is rubbish, but actually there's a better business case than the government put up. The government is justifying this on time savings, which is mad. What you want to justify it on is capacity, and the fact is that the... Uh, I know this is controversial because there are some experts who say this isn't true, but the, the West Coast main line is full now. All the projections are that it will um, be very difficult to accommodate future growth, not just for passengers, but for freight. And if we, a lot of people say we want freight off the roads and onto the railways. If we want that to happen, we've got to make capacity available. And that means that you have to provide some extra lines and capacity. Um, there was a proposal a few years ago, not for a high-speed line, but for a freight line, and that caused equal um, concern and problems. And I think we've got to have some kind of extra line, um, extra capacity, and um, HS2 is one way of doing it. Um, it's not uh, quite true to say there won't be a connection between um, this and the uh, Europe. There is a connection uh, planned between high-speed 2 and the high-speed 1 to the continent. The problem is that it isn't a very good one at the moment, and we and others have been arguing that it needs to be better. 
um, and so that you can have exactly the through running of trains to the continent that um, uh, Gary was talking about. Well, Adam, do you, do you, we've heard the argument from, from Sim earlier this morning and from Stephen just then that, that we do need the HS2 because the, our rail network, it's kind of getting close to, to full capacity now and in 20, 30 years' time it's, it's going to be absolutely stuffed. Do you agree uh, that we need something, Adam? Uh, well, it's interesting you should say that, actually, because... Uh, with the judicial reviews that are coming up, uh, I listened to a lot of it in court, and we'd been asking for Freedom of Information Acts on capacity because we knew the government had done their own uh, tests on what the capacity was like, and they refused to give it to us. And then two days before the court case, uh, they were made to give us the information, and that report that they shelved and tried to hide proves that in peak times the West Coast Main Line was only running at 54% capacity. But we also know that the government did their own costing system, which stated that although they've doubled the price, it's still only 5.8 billion, say only, it's still a lot of money, uh, but it's a fraction compared to the other money that they're charging for HS2, which is going to be about 50 billion. Uh, but they said that for uh, about 5.8 billion, we can increase the capacity hugely on the existing system by building longer platforms, building longer trains, sorting out about five existing pinch points. So for that money, that money can be spent much, much better for the country. We don't actually need to build a high-speed rail link. Stephen, we, we don't need it. We're not at full capacity. We're I, nowhere near it. I, I'm afraid I, I just disagree with that. Um, that £5.8 is going to be spent anyway, this side of um, HS2 happening, simply because um, that capacity is going to be needed as well. Uh, so I'm afraid uh, that's not true. And actually, if you talk to almost any railwayman, particularly the people currently running the West Coast Line, they'll tell you that you can't make the existing line uh, uh, um, uh, cope, not just with with the passenger capacity, but as I say, there's a real importance about getting freight off the roads and onto the railways, and we've got to provide space for that. And Stephen, finally, what could happen in the High Court today? I think what will happen today is that the uh, is that what could happen today is that the consultation process will be um, and maybe some of the compensation issues will be um, uh, uh, could be overruled but i don't think that the government will um, uh, say uh, will be told to go back and stop the whole project because i don't think that's part of the case they may have to re- to redo some of the consultation there Stephen, thank you very much. Stephen Joseph, Hertfordshire-based chief exec for the organisation Campaign for Better Transport. And thank you as well to Adam Thomas, uh, who lives just four metres out of the uh, the uh, voluntary purchase zone and lives on the HS2 route. All right, coming up to 7.15. Let's get the travel news now with Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. There are pockets of congestion on the M25 this morning. It's slow anti-clockwise between Junction 26 for Waltham Abbey and 25 for Enfield. Further west around Junction 20 for Kings Langley, that's slow. And then also on the anti-clockwise around Junction 16, the turn-off for the M40. Very busy there too. The queues in Borehamwood on the A1 Barnet Bypass southbound have unfortunately got worse. It's starting from Stirling Corning, going all the way to Mill Hill Circus now. And finally, the M1 southbound, that's picking up on my speed sensors, moving slowly around Junction 11 for Dunstable. Brooke Burford, BBC Three, Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Brooke. Uh, someone uh, referring, tweeting me about an early part of the show, the Nanny Eileen music review. Scott has tweeted me, My heart is genuinely in my mouth when you go over to Nanny Eileen for her opinion. So tense. It is, isn't it? It is.
very tense. Morning, it's 7.16. It's Friday the 15th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The High Court will decide today whether the government made serious errors before approving HS2. Residents in Bulldog are angry they weren't told the truth about a local mental health home. In sport, Tottenham, Chelsea and Newcastle are through to the Europa League quarter-finals after their games last night. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. A cloudy day with some sleep possible at first and then occasional rain. It'll stay cold, although the maximum temperature is 8 degrees. Coming up. Over the last few months, we've been following the campaign of residents living near the M1 in Luton. They're trying to stop houses being built on a field near their house by getting it declared an official village green. Well, the decision was made last night. We'll find out what that was before 7.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Join us for a jam-packed night of comic relief tonight. Featuring Peter Kay, Miranda, Call the Midwife and Rowan Atkinson. It's going to be, wait for this, cake. Is that right? Or is it mint? Plus, MasterChef, Ricky Gervais, Russell Howard and a special performance from One Direction. It's going to be amazing. Comic relief, funny for money. We're all giving as much as we possibly can. Are we... Jim! Tonight from 7 on BBC One and BBC One HD. Just to let you know, sorry, I'm chomping on um, Roberto's Jaffa Cakes. Roberto left his Jaffa Cakes. He does a cracking show, by the way, in uh, 3 till 6. Uh, he, he left his uh, Jaffa Cakes in the studio. Sorry, Roberto, you snooze, I'm afraid. You lose, sir. It's as simple as that. Uh, comic Relief there. you heard a trial. Later on in the show, about half past eight... We've got the winner of the Great British Bake Off coming in, um, who's plugging a recipe book that you can get for Comic Relief. And from that book, several of the, of the presenters here at Three Counties have made a cake. Helen Lee, who does the, the Sunday breakfast, has made a cake. David Prever, who often fills in for me and does the Saturday breakfast, has made a cake. And I have made a cake here. We've all made the same cake. I'm in. Let's have a word. Ollie, let me just do this. We'll talk a little bit later. I think you should uh, be more Ollie, can we just, just do, let me just do this because I'm doing the, the show. We'll That's talk about BBC, it off there. Yeah. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you very much. I don't wish you wouldn't keep turning your microphone on. I've made this cake. Oh, it smells lovely. Looks lovely. And uh, we will be getting that judged a little bit later on in the show. And I'm sure, sure to be a winner. Can't wait for that. Shall we have a look at the front page of the newspapers? <clears throat> By the way, we've yet to have a mum call in and say, yeah, do you know what? Breastfeeding somebody else's kids, not a problem. Not a problem. It's in the middle of the sun. And I'm, I'm not one of those... Uh, there are some people who, in 2013, I think that's the year we're in, 2013 are still kind of anti-breastfeeding... In public, I've not got a problem with it. Do whatever you want. My wife was always very discreet. But I don't care. Do it. Do it where you want. Don't send. Don't send mums off to the loo to breastfeed their kids. You wouldn't want to eat your lunch in the loo, would you? Of course you wouldn't. Horrible. So let mums breastfeed wherever they want in Smiths, in the restaurant, and wherever. Yeah, it's fine. Nothing more natural. But breastfeeding somebody else's child. There's these, these two mums. Um, here, I'm struggling to see what their names are. Well, um, the, the Bunty and Kyle are two of the children. Imagine having a child called Bunty. Bunty's a comic, isn't it, from the 70s? Oh, oh no, Bunty's the mum. Hang on a minute, they're mums, and the one's called Bunty and one's called Kyle. Kyle is a bloke's name, and Bunty's the name of a comic. Uh, Bunty Rowe, 25, and 30-year-old Kyle Aldridge are unfazed by the controversy and say wet nursing is completely natural. 
the pair say breastfeeding each other's kids is as normal as brushing their teeth. Yeah, you wouldn't brush your teeth with somebody else's toothbrush, would you? Richard from Winslow, this is outrageous, isn't it? No, not in the least. You're being terribly old-fashioned. Now, before you cut me off today, as you normally do, at least say something before you cut me off, like maybe goodbye. But I've got a compliment to pay you at the end of the conversation. Now, going back to the... Well, you may, you may not make it to the end of the conversation, no, Richard, because... But, but going back to the... Get on my nerves already. In, in, hello? Hello? In um, Victorian times, it was very, very, very common yes. for posh people to get what was known as a wet nurse yep. to feed their child yep. because they didn't want the shape of their prized assets altered by having a sprog hanging off. Very, very common, and even in modern times, if a woman can't um, produce milk or good quality milk, a wet nurse would be available. It's perfectly normal and natural, and I'm a bloke, and I know far less about these things than women do. Anyway, can I pay you that compliment now? No, hang on a second, Richard. You can't just come on, speak nonsense, and then try and win me over. What do you mean, speak nonsense? Check it out about wet nurses. Get a yeah. doctor on. Yeah, we did... Well, listen, I know they did it in Victorian times. They, they, they did a lot of things in Victorian times <laughs> that were perverted and wrong. It doesn't mean we carry it on. We've, we've evolved and we've learned that that's well, not right. On. Get a doctor on and ask him about the goodness of a mother's milk for a child. Yeah, but and not, it, so, not it, another mother's milk. If it's your own, then, then your sister's a pretty good choice. Yeah, but not a... No, you wouldn't get your sister to... to <sighs> Have you ever tried breast milk, Richard? Yeah, when I was about two. Yeah, but or when, one you, or whatever. when you were a grown up, have you ever tried it? No, of course well, I have. Why? Well, why? I mean... why? Why? <laughs> why? What? Why? What do you mean, why? Well, well, what I mean is, why? Well, I don't want this conversation to go. <laughs> why have you not tried it? Well, do you think it's weird? As an adult? Yeah. Well, my tastes have changed. I'm an adult. I didn't, I didn't like onions when I was a kid. I like onions now. What? <laughs> Hello? Are you there? What have onions got? Got to do it. Right, Richard, just listen. You're not listening again, Ian. Taste change. There's a little. Go on, you got you got twenty seconds saved. We're going to save it. Mother's milk to keep you healthy and fight off germs and things. Ask, get a doctor on the show. He'll
Yeah, I mean, it's a one-year secondment, right. um, and uh, we can have a look to see if it works properly over that one year. I'm confident it will work. I think it's a really great thing. We've got to always think about, you know, how positive this can be. Um, here's someone who understands uh, community protection. He's the community protection director for the county council. Um, he really understands the, the whole broader issue, as well as uh, being someone who's put out fires in his life. Are you any closer to getting a deputy? The last one stepped down after sending out some ill-advised tweets, I think we, we could uh, phrase them. Where, where are we with that situation? Well, at the moment, uh, I'm waiting. I want to wait until uh, May, just to reflect on everything. Obviously, I want to bed in uh, a new chief executive. I want to see how, how that works before I think about the, the rest of the team and how, how that's working. Uh, I may well decide to have a deputy, but I haven't certainly made my mind up. And if I do, I think I, it's, it's a different stage of being a commissioner. When uh, Rachel was my deputy, uh, it was at the very, very outset. Now I've established a little bit more of a presence. There are different things I might want to do. I want to reflect on what sort of person I need and will probably go out to some form of uh, advertisement just to, to see what's out there. I'm... I'm kind of available. I finish here at nine o'clock in the morning, so I'm happy to come and <laughs> hang out. Well, the, the trouble is the, the sorts of things that you say too often are very, very difficult, I'm afraid, yes, Ian. I but, you know, I'm, I do have to be careful with that. <laughs> yeah, I would be doing <laughs> ill-advised comments on the radio. Uh, you're also looking to take on the role of dealing with youth offending. Yeah. What, what, what can you do at the moment, and, and, and what kind of new powers are you hoping to, to get? Well, at the moment, this is, this is an idea that I'm sort of pushing back. At the moment, uh, people don't understand how we look after youth offending. There's a, a rather faceless central organisation uh, called the Youth Justice Board, which uh, is a national organisation which oversees a lot of the work which happens through the youth offending teams locally. I think that now we've got uh, local police and crime commissioners who are charged with looking after uh, criminal justice, and remember a quarter of our offenders are uh, youngsters, um, it would be good if they were pulled more locally into uh, that uh, offending was looked after more locally for those as well. Mm. So um, this is a, an early idea. It's one that uh, picks up on uh, what the uh, um, the parliamentary committee on, on this has said, and I think it, it could well work. I think it's a good local idea. This is what we've been elected for, to look after crime locally, and this is a way that we could do it. Well, what are you going to do to reduce youth offending? Well, I think youth offending is about working... Uh, with the different partner agencies and of course there's an element of that already but you know it's about working in the schools it's about working out there in the community it's about making sure that people are properly educated um, you know we, we need to look uh, if, if you look and I don't want to get into criminology too much but if you look at those uh, who start offending quite often there are family traits around it um, there are all sorts of, uh, of lines which you, you look at and you see that uh, Unfortunately, it gets repeated generation after generation. I really want to break that cycle. I think the way to break that cycle is to get involved early and to get involved locally. Now, listen, I would, are, are you busy as the, the, the PCC? You've got, you, you, your time's kind of taken up. You're not going to ask me to do an hour every morning here, are you? <laughs> Maybe we could do a little shift. Because <laughs> no, the county uh, council election's coming up in May. You're still going to stand as a councillor? I am indeed. Well, how? Why? Because I really think that it's important. I mean, it's, it's almost a unique situation that the, the Hertfordshire constabulary area is exactly the same as the upper tier. That doesn't happen in Thames Valley. Mm. That doesn't happen in Bedfordshire. But it happens in Hertfordshire. Um, and uh, I think it's really important that you've got someone who is able to bring together and work alongside those two very large agencies which are both revol uh, involved in crime reduction. I'm going to put something to you. You, sir, are not the PCC. 
What am I then? You're not the you're not the police and crime commissioner. I I heard that you said the wrong oath. So technically, <laughs> if I were to take a challenge to court, I could get you deposed. Is that right? What happened there? <laughs> um, the, the 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 great thing is that we've got an ele- uh, 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 an officer uh, who's in charge of uh, looking after this, the uh, electoral returning officer, and uh, he is a, a man who always thinks outside the box and recognises that uh, you should always take your oath once in private and once publicly. Right. So actually, he had the right oath on him, and I was able to make the oath in so the, front the, of him. The oath you so did in public was was the wrong. <laughs> The oath I did in public was subtly changed. What I understand I was reading, um, although broadly exactly the same oath, was um, the one which the Home Office went out to consult on. And like any good organisation, like the Police and Crime Commissioner's Office, when we go out to consultation, we do sometimes change things afterwards. I'll be changing bits of my Police and Crime Plan. So so, uh, it was changed. I I am still the PCC and I'm still working for everyone. Yes, now listen, I don't know if you know, it's comic relief today. Ah. I have... Presenters here have been asked to make a cake, and I have made. Oh well, dear! We, no, no, don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to try it. Guess what? I am glad about. But, but, but look at this. This is what I spent all last night making. It's amazing. What but did you, you make it though, Ian? I think you Ollie. Should, uh, I'm just talking to David Lloyd. <laughs> so just you should be honest, David. Uh, Ollie, I'm talking listeners. to David Lloyd, please. So just button it. Uh, t- st- stop opening your mic. I made this cake last night. What do you think? Did it look, look well, impressive? Well, um, a, I have to say, that, David. There, there, it, if size matters, certainly it's got some girth to it. <laughs> David Lloyd, you're making me blush. Always nice to see you, sir. Thank you very much for coming in. Right? Let's get the travel now. Here's Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The usual rush hour queues continue this morning on the M1 southbound around Junction 11 for Dunstable. On the A405 North Orbital Road in Bricketwood, traffic is heavy on my cameras around the roundabout for the M25. That's at Junction 21A. On the M25 anti-clockwise this morning, it's slow between Junction 26 for Altham Abbey and 25 for Enfield. Also around Junction 20 for Kings Langley. And then further west around Junction 16, the turn-off for the M40. No problems reported on the trains this morning. Brooke Burford, BBC Three, Counties Radio. Brooke, thank Thank you very much. It's 7.30. Time for the news and sport now with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The High Court will today decide whether the government made serious errors before approving the high-speed rail line that will run through Buckinghamshire. Four protest groups, including several councils and even a golf club, have asked for judicial reviews of the scheme, claiming there was insufficient consultation. In Baldock, people living there say they've been fooled and bamboozled into thinking a residential home at the end of their gardens was for the elderly, when in fact it's for people with mental health problems. Baldock Manor is listed as being a home for people with mental illness and learning disabilities, but the planning application was simply for a care home. Meanwhile, residents living near the M1 in Luton are trying to stop houses being built on a field near their homes. They're trying to get it declared an official village green. A meeting was held at Luton Borough Council last night to decide if it'll get that status. And stay listening to hear the result as Justin Deal will be speaking to some locals in the next half an hour here on BBC Three Counties Radio. And details of Labour and Liberal Democrat plans for a new system of press regulation are expected to be republished today. It's in response to David Cameron's decision to abandon cross party talks on the issue that's the latest news though let's turn to the sport 
Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So Watford striker Troy Deeney says he's learned from his past mistakes ahead of tomorrow's championship match at Barnsley. Deeney actually missed the beginning of the season because of a jail sentence but then came back in September. He's recently signed a new contract as well at Vicarage Road and says he's thankful for the club's support. I remember um, said thank you to the, to the relevant people, you know, obviously at the time and... Uh, since since obviously I've come back, I think I've shown that I've that I, I want to be here and that I'm uh, I've learnt from my mistakes and that won't be happening again. Moving on to League One and MK Dons are in action against promotion challengers Tranmere at Stadium MK. Luton Town manager John Stills promised to make lots of changes to his playing squad in the summer. The Hatters are at leaders Wrexham tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tottenham have reached the Europa League quarterfinals. They'd taken a 3-0 lead into the match against Inter Milan, but then lost 4-1 on the night, meaning they only went through thanks to an extra time goal. Whereas Chelsea went through as well, they beat Stour Bucharest 3-2 over the actual two legs. Finally, in boxing, Bedford's Matt Skelton fights for the vacant English heavyweight title tonight. Thankfully, Ian won't be there. BBC Three Counties Radio, there'll be more news and sport at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. What would you do if you found out a care home behind your house was actually for people with mental health problems and learning difficulties rather than a residential home for the elderly? Well, that's what happened to residents in Bulldog. We'll hear from them this morning. Lots of comments about that on the Facebook page already. If you want to go and have your say, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. I've got a little cake that I made for comic relief. We'll be testing that later on with Ed Kimber from the Great British Bake Off coming on to judge. And is it ever okay? (coughs) Excuse me to breastfeed someone else's kids. Well, there's a story in The Sun today about uh, two sisters who swap their children and breastfeed them. It's, it, it sounds very odd to me. Now, over the last few months, we've been following the campaign of residents living near the M1 in Luton. They're trying to stop houses being built on a field near their house and have been trying to get it declared as an official village green. That would mean it couldn't be touched. Well, last night, a meeting was held at Luton Borough Council to decide if it will get that status. And I can reveal they did not get that status. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been with residents Stephanie and Rowena this morning. Well, lots of residents here have come out to the radio car. One of those is Stephanie Stiff. The application for Village Green status that you've been campaigning for, that was refused last night. Can you tell us why? The council used the word in, um, by right, they said we'd used it by right, which means that we knew it belonged to the council and therefore were entitled to use it. That's despite over 100 people saying, we never knew who used that land, who it belonged to. So we've used it as of right. That's why they threw it out. Um, the inspector was hired by Luton Borough Council, which actually we've paid for in our council taxes. Um, and how independent is he? It was stated at the meeting about it, and there was questions raised about his impartiality to it. Um, my husband wasn't informed of when the meeting was. He wasn't given the report, which he, as the applicant, he should have been done. And actually, the council squirmed last night at the meeting. But the residents are absolutely furious. How can they take our little bit of land? They've got Wesley's just up the road that they've actually put up for sale. What is your message to Lucen Borough Council this morning? Because I can see it in your face. You're just so angry about this, aren't you? Yeah. Why don't they listen to the people that pay them their money, and we elect them to? 
do what we want them to. You know, they're supposed to look after our interests, and they don't. They go ahead and do exactly what they want and take no notice of the people that actually put them there in the first place. Carol's here as well. Carol, we're talking about 56 homes here. Well, 56 to start with, potentially, anyway. Uh, If work does begin, are you prepared to stand in front of these bulldozers? I'd like to say yes, I would, but... I feel defeated. I feel we've not been listened to. There's good good people in Luton working and the council don't listen to to the good, hard-working, caring people of this community. They, they do it off their own back. Me standing in front of a bulldozer, what, what's it going to achieve? Yes or no, will it destroy your community? Yeah. Had a final word here with Rowena. Um, what's the next stage? Just lastly, quite briefly on this, because obviously you've lost this fight last night. Um, what's going to be happening next for you? Well, I think the next thing is questions need to be asked why this council will be prepared to spend so much money on a really um, good barrister who specialises in development on Greenbelt. Enormous cost to this cash-strapped council to fight to give this land away to a developer. Will you continue to fight it, though? There's nothing we can do, but we want to know the reasons behind this. We want to know how come they were able to give it away so easily when they actually had to then prove that it was our land to support their, their application. And we need to know the full cost of the inquiry. We most certainly will be asking this and the conduct and the part played in this by our elected councillors now has to be revealed. That was Justin Dealey speaking to two residents there. Tom Shaw is a Labour councillor for Lucy Ward and chair uh, for Housing Services. Joins me now. Morning, Tom. Morning. Tom, you weren't at the meeting last night, but what's your reaction to the outcome? Uh, I'm never pleased to be building on, you know, what, on land what people have used, but at the end of the day, we've got over 2,000 people needing housing and we've got 700 people in temporary accommodation. But this isn't going to be, I mean, th- th- only a tiny bit of this. I think 15 homes are going to be affordable housing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, but it's not just that. No, uh, people are saying that look, this is part of three sites that are all being built at the same time because we can't get government, uh, we don't get government subsidy on the sites. All the, all the sites cross subsidise each other. So you might get 15 shared ownership, 15 for sale, and, you know, 15 for rent. The idea is that the other, some of the other sites may have more, more homes for rent. All the three sites cost subsidise each other because we've got no finance from anywhere else. But Tom, isn't it true you gave this land away to the developers? We do. We give it away for nothing in exchange for getting permanent... 15 uh, homes. rights. Not just for the, all three sites. Uh, we get okay. permanent nomina- nomination rights for people that need social housing. But so you gave this land away, this piece of land, and on that yeah. la- on that piece of land, you gave it away. On that piece of land, you're going to get 15 homes, and you also let the developers off th- off about a million pounds as well. Is that right? We haven't left the developers off about a million pounds. No, that's not right. You get 15 homes, you get 15 shared ownership and 15 for sale. The shared ownership and the for sale ones are for looting people. Uh, the 15 shared ownership on top of the rented ones are for people what are on the housing waiting list or can afford to buy a share of a property and move up later. Yeah. All the sites cost subsidise each other. The barrister was paid for partly by the company, uh, Waits, which are doing the building, and Catalyst Housing Association. Uh, I can understand the people's frustration. That I'm just as frustrated with 700 people in temporary accommodation. So you haven't let them off the the, the, the um, you haven't let well, the developers off the um, the S one oh six money that they should have paid for community projects. No, no, they what they do they give a thousand pound a unit and completion of the units to the council to spend on community projects. Okay.
That £1,000 is still there per unit and a contribution to a school, but the £1,000 a unit goes for community projects. No one wants to... No one wants the houses next to them. No one wants... Everyone says there's that elsewhere to build. Everyone says you've got downfield sites in Luton. They're all in private ownership. Yes, we have sold Wesley. But the council's facing £49 million worth of cuts, so we need to get some, you know, some capital in so we don't have to do as many cuts. And, and giving away land is the way to do that? Uh, giving away the land gets us free council housing for the next... 50 years. You, you, you're saying there's not much land to build homes on, but you've yeah. got acres of, of derelict brownfield sites. Why can't you use those? We don't own them. That's simple. We don't own them. You're talking about big, big groups that own those lands. You know, English Partnership, uh, Caridian, big, big groups on the Vauxhall site, Power Courts. Uh, we'd love to build on them. There was a Section 106 on those to give us 90 houses on the Vauxhall site, but the government has now changed the rules. And the developers are putting for a new planning application. So what, we're only is, likely to end up with 20 on there. So, but what, why can't you buy power court? It's, uh, if I've got the right, it's a block of land which has been derelict for over 10 years, right in the town centre. Yeah, have you got... Do you think the council's got 15, 16 million pounds to spend? Can't you compulsory purchase it? You say, <laughs> CPOs, you still have to pay the land value. Right. Uh, all he does is force them to sell you the land, but you still have to pay the value of the land. Well, where, where, where are you going to build next? Are you going to start building on parks? Cause you, you are going no, to run no, out no. of, of sites, aren't you? We are now looking, talking to people outside Luton, which isn't a secret. We have been for a while. Uh, there's two derelict garage sites, because this is phase two of the uh, owns for Luton, and there's going to be a phase three, which is some derelict garage sites. Uh, we don't own the garages on them, but we're actually going to CPO some of the garages, garages on those sites. Well, again, we've got to pay market value for those, but that's only about £3,000 a unit. Uh, that'll be in about a year's time when we've served all the CPOs and the CPOs have gone, you know, wherever they need to go if someone objects. Tom, what would you say to those residents who were disappointed with the decision last night not to protect that piece of land? What I'd say was, your house was new at one time. People, you know, you moved in next door to people, those people probably shouted as loud. If someone needed to meet, they've got every right to shout. We've got every right to push it as far as you can. But the independent inspector, and he is independent, these people travel all over the country just doing these kind of appeals. He's come down on the side of the council, and I hope we can work together and make sure some of the community fund money, what's in, in those houses, is spent in that area, you know, to ease people's fears. Councillor Tom Ward, always nice to speak to you. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Ian. Bye. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I am, uh... By the way, if you want to comment on that story or any of the stories this morning, 08459 455 555. I am, um... Oh, Nickelback are doing a tour. Ah, I'm busy then, that's a shame. Uh, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this story in The Sun about these sisters who, um... They swap kids to breastfeed. So if, you know, the, the one kid is hungry and the mum's not there, oh, I'll do it, don't worry, they can have a go on this. Well, Josephine's from Houghton Regis. Morning, Josephine. Good morning. What do you make about this, breastfeeding other people's children? Would you do it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Because uh, the alternative would be to uh, have the milk of an unknown cow, which is not uh, free healthy. And besides that, it is common practice for hospitals to collect milk from donor mothers to provide in the feeding of um, fresh-born babies. But but that donor milk, though, there's some, that, that donor milk will be put in a bottle, wouldn't it? 
It wouldn't uh, come straight yeah, from the breast. It would be put in bottles because you can't uh, bring over the mothers to the uh, uh, neonatal uh, department, of course. But, for, but to, to, for a child to actually go and sit on another woman's breast... Yes? That, that's... That, 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 I'm detecting an accent, Josephine. Where are you from? Sweden? No, I'm from Holland. From Holland, OK. Yes, and their breastfeeding in uh, public is quite common. Good. I, I have no problems with breastfeeding in public at all. I think it's a wonderful, natural thing to do. It's just the thought of, of a child latching on to a different woman's breast. Yes, well, normally women who breastfeed make sure that they have the hygiene uh, sorted out anyway. Yeah. So um, there's nothing wrong with feeding someone else's child when you have good uh, relationships with those uh, other women. Josephine, have you got kids? I don't have any kids myself, no. What age would you think it's right to stop breastfeeding a child? Uh, well, there are children who still, once in a while, uh, go to their mother for comfort uh, at three, four years old. It is a form of comforting that's, as well. And that's inappropriate, isn't it? No, that's not inappropriate. I knew people who, once in a while, when they were uh, at nursery, um, did like to go to their own mother um, to have a little um, of drink uh, next to their um, new to- um, sibling. When the, when, when, <laughs> the ch- was so when the child is old enough to ask for the breast... That, that yeah? you should probably have stopped by then. I got, I've got I, the reason I bring it up is one of these women in this story is is suckling a three year old, and my boy's three, and just the thought of him latching onto my wife's breast at the age of three, it, well, it, it feels very inappropriate. With your child, it's um, uh, more aggressive when um, mother turns her child away and says uh, no, because it means that you, well, emotionally turn your child away when your child feels comforted by laying in your arms and having a little sip, what's wrong with that? Josephine, thank you very much indeed. Uh, lovely, lovely having the children laying in your arms. Love it. But having a little sip at the age of three or four? No, that can't be right. I mean, 18 months is probably as far as nine months a year. 18 months, ugh, okay. But after that, not really. Not really appropriate, is it? 08459 four double five five double five. Here's the travel with Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Traffic is heavy on the A405 North Orbital Road in Bricketwood around the roundabout for the M25 at Junction 21A. Once on the tw- M25, pockets of congestion on the anti-clockwise carriageway, uh, particularly between Junction 26 for Waltham Abbey to 25 for Enfield, around Junction 20 for Kings Langley, and then further anti-clockwise around Junction 16, the turn-off for the M40. Finally, the M1 southbound, that's still slow from Junction 12 for Flittock to 11 for Dunstable. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. Morning, it's 7.46. It's Friday the 15th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A decision is expected on whether the government made serious errors before approving HS2. That decision should come today. People living in Bulldog say they've been fooled into thinking a local care home was for the elderly, when actually it's for mental health patients. In sport, England's cricketers are on top after the second day of the second test against New Zealand. 
coming up. What would you do if you found out a care home behind your house was actually for people with mental health problems rather than a residential home for the elderly? Well, that's the situation facing people in Baldock at the moment. We'll hear more from them before 8 o'clock. But now let's get the latest weather with Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Very good morning to you. It is a slightly milder start to the day today, but we've got outbreaks of light, patchy rain through the morning and lasting well on into the afternoon as well. Now, we might even see a little bit of sleet just over the higher ground, but most of this certainly falling as rain. The odd heavy burst here and there. The wind's picking up too. It's a southwesterly, so it's not the cold easterly or the northwesterly we've been seeing over the last few days, but it is going to feel quite blustery this afternoon. Now, in theory, yes, it is a bit milder with temperatures up to 7 or 8 degrees Celsius later on in Luton, in Aylesbury, Milton Keynes and in Stevenage. But unfortunately, you know, it's not going to feel all that pleasant underneath all the cloud, the rain and with the strong gusts of wind as well later on this afternoon. Um, All of this is going to continue into this evening and overnight, possibly the rain pepping up for a time during this evening's rush hour, certainly quite persistent through the first half of the night and and sticking around into Saturday morning as well. We'll kick off the day tomorrow, four or five degrees Celsius, so yes, a milder start, but I'm afraid it is going to be a rather wet start to the weekend and lots of rain around on Saturday morning. That front really dragging its heels, even stalling inconveniently over the three counties for us tomorrow. Um, But it should be a brighter afternoon. We'll start to see some brightness over Buckinghamshire at least. Just watch out for a few showers perhaps on Saturday too where we do get the brightness and the sunshine. I think Sunday looking like the better day of the weekend. It's not going to feel particularly warm. Temperatures all weekend between 6 and 8 degrees really. Um, But we should see a little bit more in the way of brightness and a bit of sunshine around at times as well. Just watch out if you are going out for a few heavy and possibly slow-moving showers as well. That's the forecast. Thank you, Elizabeth. On Saturday's Three County Sports, we give you the choice of another four live commentaries. In the Championship, Watford travel to struggling Barnsley. Can he finish? Yes, he can! Christian Batokyo! In League One, MK Dons host Tranmere. Whipped in, Chris Wheel. Can't get there, it's in! Try and low again! And Stevenage face title-chasing Sheffield United. Arrows in a low shot. What a great finish that was. Luton are in conference action away to table-topping Wrexham. And it's a great effort from Jake Howes. Plus regular updates from Adams Park as Wickham play Northampton. Three Counties Sport, Saturday from 2, BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, what would you do if you found out a care home behind your house was actually for people with mental health problems rather than a residential home for the elderly? Well, that's the situation facing people in Baldock at the moment. Baldock Manor is for people with mental illness and learning disabilities. But the planning application was simply for a care home. North Hearts District Council say the planning permission still stands, no matter who the residents are, because it was granted to care for people who need it. Well, I'm joined in the studio by Gloria Holland, uh, who is from the mental health charity Mind in Hertfordshire. Good morning, Gloria. Good morning. Uh, and on the line is Peter Foxworthy, whose garden backs onto the home. Morning, Peter. Good morning to you. Peter, why are you so concerned about this? Um, I don't have any issues with... Uh people with uh, mental health problems or learning difficulties it's with the the owners and managerial level of the organization that i have issues the original planning application when we queried it was clearly said by the council to be for people um for the elderly it was going to be a care home for the elderly that is what the North Arts District Council was led to believe. 
and they passed that information to us. So we believed it. Therefore, there were no objections raised or anything like that. All the way through the planning application... Would, would you have objected if you knew it was for, for people with mental illness and learning disabilities? I think I would have. Why? On the grounds of the proximity of the complex to what is known as to be a, a, a quiet, residential, family-type um, estate. Um, and it's so close. Well, what, really what, what concerns you about it? Um, what do you think is going to happen? Well, again, um, we queried the... Uh, but, but don't worry about the planning application. Obviously, there was, there was maybe possibly something wrong or misleading about that. But, but, but why does it concern you that people with mental illness and learning disabilities could be living in a, in a place so close to you? I think the fact that um, when, when we queried this with, with the management of the place on, a, on an open day um, and a rumour was circulating that there was a secure unit which... Right. Um, obviously concerned us, um, they denied that there would ever be a secure unit and said that the people that they were going to be dealing with were purely those with moderate learning difficulties. But Peter, I'm, I'm struggling to, to understand exactly what, what is your problem? What, what, what are you worried will happen? The problem is we don't know what's going to happen. But what's your fear? I'd like to know what your fear is about the mental health or the learning disabilities issue. And I think that's the question that's been asked. Tell us what your fear is. We just don't know how... Uh, can, can I put it to you? Are you worried? Let's, let's put it bluntly. Are you worried that there are going to be people running around covered in faeces and, and running around with knives? Nothing quite as dramatic as that, but uh, certainly... People perhaps acting and behaving in a, an irrational manner. Well, let's, say? let's ask Gloria from, from uh, my Gloria. What, 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 what's your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, it, it's an the statistics say that one in four people have a mental health issue. I know that the people who are going to be in this facility are likely to be sort of. Um, at risk more to themselves and as it says in some of the um, the comments made in the comet recently that um, the the fence was er erected in order to be safe for the residents as much as for anybody else and that's why I think it's sort of I would like to know and challenge what is the fear surrounding mental health because mind has always strived to reduce the stigma of mental health and we like to have people in the community and encourage people to be as Active in the community as possible. So I, I just will ask the question again, Peter, what is your fear? Well, I think I said right at the outset, it, <clears throat> it's not so much to do, to do with the fear, it's more the concern that the people making the application were deceptive. Okay, but, 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 you, but you did say, if, if you'd been told it was, it was mental illness and learning disabilities, you would probably have, have um, uh, disapproved of it anyway and, and uh, appealed it. So th th there must be somewhere a fear. Uh, yes, yes, there is a, there is a fear. Of um, what? It's that, that we don't know exactly the extent to which these people will be... Are you worried that, the, uh, are you worried that there will be a, a physical danger to you and your family? Possibly, yes. OK, now, Gloria, let's, let's set this straight, because there is... We're, we're always hearing about schizophrenics running around murdering people. Are, are, are people with mental illness 
violent and aggressive? No more violent and aggressive than you and I, because if one in four people have a mental health issue, who's to say that you and I couldn't be at some point in crisis and therefore a danger to either ourselves or to others? And I'm slightly exaggerating. There's theory that that schizophrenia, let's use that as an example, is, is a violent, aggressive illness. It's kind of a myth, isn't it? There are there are extreme examples, as there are in all walks of life. Is that yes. right? Yes, absolutely. There are extremes in all cases. But with people who have schizophrenia or any other diagnosis, people are very carefully monitored. And the statutory bodies who would look after people with mental health would ensure that people are not a risk to themselves or to others. So there's, there, there'll, there'll be no risk, no more risk than if you live next to a, a block of flats or, or, you know, or some houses, Peter. I tend not to agree with that. Why? Um, in 20 odd years of living here, we've never had any kind of incident right. involving any kind of violence. Right. However, and, and having you, said that, yes. during my 20 years of service in the police in, in Bulldog... Um, I can recall an incident 12 o'clock at night on a Sunday night encountering a a six-foot-five naked man in the middle of Bordock High Street Mm. who was extremely violent, very, very much disturbed, and it, (laughs) it, it took a hell of a lot to subdue him. He was mentally ill. He was. So, so in the 20 years you encountered one mentally ill violent man. How many violent uh, people no, did you encounter? I didn't, I didn't say that. Okay, well how many... I, I let's said that one sticks in my mind. Okay, well how many violent people did you meet that weren't mentally ill? Uh, I would say it would exceed a dozen right. in that 20 years. See, the, the point I'm trying to make is, and I'm, 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 is that, that, that mentally ill people are no, not necessarily more violent than other walks of life. Absolutely. Uh, yes, I would agree with that. Um, Peter, can I interrupt and just say to you, at the time when you met this gentleman who was six foot five and naked in Baldock High Street, did you know how to deal with him? Did you know what to do? Sort of, you must have been aware that he probably had a mental health difficulty. Did you know what to do and who to call? Um, well, I tried talking with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had no success. Yes. He was aggressive. Yes. He, he was constantly pushing me. And in the end, I had to resort to uh, using some form of self-defence, which I have to say was unsuccessful. And I only managed to get him under control when two members of the public stopped and helped me. Yes. But Peter, don't, don't, I, I would try and suggest, I listen, I've met people with learning disabilities and mentally honest, I would try and suggest don't let that one incident or any of the mm. other incidents you've encountered put you off, you know, jade your, your opinion on people with mental illness. It doesn't. I... I all I'm suggesting is that this institution, which is about 30 yards away from where I'm sitting at this moment, is in close proximity to a quiet residential street. And I, Peter, I, I'm going to ask you one question, because we're running out of time, and I want the last word to Gloria. Are you a NIMBY? No. OK. Uh, Gloria, very quickly, we are running out of time. Surely places like this would help the integration of people with illnesses back into society. I imagine that's what MIND is after, isn't it? Yes, yes, because we have services across Hertfordshire to look after people and to keep people well. And we very rarely talk about mental health as a problem. We talk about people's well-being. And so I would sort of celebrate if if things were 
happening in the community to look after people who had serious issues. Okay, listen, is, what, what's the Mind website if people have, want to have a little look at what you get up to? Um, Mind in Midhearts. It's www.mindinmidhearts.org.uk. Excellent. Thank you very much, Gloria. Peter, thank you very much. We did ask Navita, who run the home for a comment, but so far they've failed to provide one. Right, let's get the travel news now. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Borehamwood, I can see slow-moving traffic on my cameras on the A1 Barnet Bypass from Stirling Corner heading towards Mill Hill Circus. And there are also pockets of congestion on the M25 anti-clockwise this morning, particularly between Junction 27 for the M11 and 25 for Enfield. It's stop-start all the way. And it's also very slow anti-clockwise from Junction 18 at Chorleywood to 16, the junction for the M40. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, what an action-packed show. I could have talked about that for absolutely ages. If you want to have your say, 08459 555 is the phone number. Uh, there are some interesting comments on Facebook about that story. We'll have a little look after the news with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Results to be announced on HS2 rail line. Mental health home causes controversy in Baldock and plans to build homes on a Luton field. BBC Three Counties Radio. The editor of a rail magazine says the country's in desperate need of a new rail line like the HS2, which is set to run through Buckinghamshire. It comes as the High Court will today decide whether the government made serious errors before approving the high-speed rail line. Four protest groups, including several councils, have asked for judicial reviews of the scheme, claiming there was insufficient consultation. Well, Sam Harris from the Rail News spoke to Ian Lee earlier. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think the judge has got the power to tell the government and parliament, you may not do this. What the judge can do is say your consultation was rubbish. You lost several hundred responses. They did. I don't defend it. And that, you have to agree, the opponents have a point. If you have a consultation, everyone deserves to be heard. And because of problems, they weren't. In Baldock, some residents there say they've been fooled into thinking a residential home at the end of their gardens was for the elderly, when in fact it's for people with mental problems. Baldock Manor is listed as being a home for people with mental illness and learning disabilities, but the planning application was simply for a care home. Sandra Brown says they just want some answers. They might not even be that bad, and we're all making it worse than what it is. Let someone from the home come and tell us. They've only got to knock on our door and say, this is it. And this whole incident would go away. And stay listening as in the next half an hour we'll be hearing from the Conservative councillor Michael Muir who thinks the planning laws need to change. Now, residents living near the M1 in Luton have been trying to stop homes from being built on a fold near their home. They've been trying to get it declared as an official village green, but were let down at a meeting by Luton Borough Council last night. How can they take our little bit of land, they've got Wesley's just up the road, that they've actually put up for sale? I feel defeated. I feel we've not been listened to. Me standing in front of a bulldozer, what's it going to achieve? 
A pub in Luton, which is being refurbished, has been damaged by fire once again. Crews went to the railway tavern in Hightown Road just after 11 o'clock on Wednesday evening. Investigations are now ongoing and police are treating it as suspicious. And as it's Red Nose Day, a homeless centre in Buckinghamshire says it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for comic relief money. Open Door, which is based in Bletchley, offers services such as hot meals, clothes and even advice on things like housing. Jacqueline Longman runs the project. A lot of people who come through don't think that they're worth bothering about themselves, you know, for themselves. We hope to have a safe environment within the drop-in for everybody. We want to have a happy environment. We want to have things so that they're, you know, there's papers so they can find out what's happening in the world. There's people to talk to. Finally, England's cricketers are on top after the second day of the second test against New Zealand in Wellington. Weather then, and it is going to be rather overcast out there. Temperatures, not bad. 8 degrees Celsius, 46 in Fahrenheit. What more could we ask for? There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I was just voguing there to the uh, the theme. Oh, it's very upbeat, isn't it? It's the last hour of the show. My weekend starts 57 minutes. I say my weekend. I'm driving to North London to see an osteopath and get some tyres fitted on my car. I am living the dream. Before JVS at nine o'clock, we've got the following. A judge at the High Court is due to give a ruling on legal challenges to the government's HS2 high-speed rail scheme later. We'll catch up with our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, who is there. I made a cake last night for Comic Relief, and it's definitely better than David Prevers, Helen Lees and Gareth Lloyds. We've got Ed Kimber from the British Bake Off coming on to judge the cakes. And is it ever okay? to breastfeed someone else's kids. There are two sisters in the paper who swap their children and breastfeed them. I'm a big fan of breastfeeding. I think it's wonderful. Wonderful. But to do it with someone else's kid, oh, dirty. Very dirty. Uh, you can go to facebook.com, and I've got to say, the conversation uh, about the, uh, the care home for people with mental illness... It's heating up on the Facebook page. Want to take part in the debate? It's get, play nicely. It's getting a little bit feisty on there. I don't mind that. Just don't be rude, OK, to each other. But, but do get feisty if you want. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Go and have your say. It was a bit one-sided and now it's going back the other way. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A judge at the High Court is due to give a ruling on legal challenges to the government's HS2 high-speed rail scheme later. Opponents are asking for the controversial multi-billion pound project to be sent back for reconsideration with five separate cases under review. The first phase of HS2 would see a high-speed railway line through the Chilterns from London to Birmingham. Well, in a moment we'll cross live to the High Court, but first let's talk to our business correspondent, Adam Kirtley. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Ian. Uh, our business is largely in favour of HS2. There are there, there are many people who are very in favour of HS2. Uh, businesses, of course, in the Midlands and in the North, love the idea of being able to get to London and London to get to them very quickly. It'll it'll mean London, Euston to Birmingham, New Street in less than an hour. So many people are in favour. Uh, you know, it, it's about the economy, stupid. But many people are not in favour. And of course, in this patch, it, it's huge because it carves through Amersham, Chesham, on into. Uh, 
the leafy uh, lanes and byways of, of Buckinghamshire. And many, many people from MPs to local communities are incredibly against it and have made their voice very much heard. How much will it cost? Well, that's one of the arguments uh, of those who don't like it, is that it's vastly expensive. The current budget is... Uh, Thirty-three billion pounds, which is a huge amount of money, and and the argument goes: well, look, in these austere times where you know councils are having their budgets frozen and schools uh, are, are f- finding budget cuts, and you know bedroom taxes are coming in and whatever. What the heck is this folly that is a brand new railway line we can't afford? So uh, it is very expensive, and of course, as you know, Ian, anything from a loft conversion to putting in a new bathroom always costs way more than you think it will, and therefore that thirty-three billion current budget is bound they say, to be vastly uh, exaggerated and therefore we can't afford it. Who exactly is against HS2? Well, many people. It comes from anyone from a school uh, that that might find it running through its garden or its playground to people whose houses will be blighted to environmentalists. You know, the Woodland Trust is looking very carefully at it, saying, what will it do for wildlife? Lots of people are against it. Most importantly, those who who live along the line. And, And a lot of MPs, a lot of Buckinghamshire MPs, very against it uh, and and then that that's why and they've taken certain things to the court to say we don't believe the government has done this properly or legally and we're challenging it will businesses and, and, and business people be be the only people in the uk to, to benefit from this is it going to serve any use to ordinary rail travelers well yes i suppose if if if, if you live in no oh, i don't know if you live in chesham and and granny lives in manchester <laughs> you'll get to see granny a lot quicker um you know it, it is another part of the infrastructure of the country and it will help the economy it'll help people traveling etc etc the question is whether it's worth it is it a price too much to pay that's the issue and 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 whereas the high court can only pontificate if you like on the legalities it's not its job to say whether a line should be built or not it's its job to say whether due process has been followed uh it, it's not its job to to cancel it it is very unlikely it will be cancelled what the court decision today may do is delay it somewhat um and uh, finally is there any likelihood that hs2 is going to be scrapped or are we very, set on a very, course now well, not not by the court it's not its job to do that as i say uh, no I, I i think this government uh, is very in favor of of improving the infrastructure of britain economically as well as socially uh, so it's not likely to be scrapped whether they'll have to rethink the route rethink what they do uh, that's another matter that, that there's like of course with any big huge project like this there's likely to be be changes along the way adam thank you very much indeed that's adam Kirtley. we can go now live to the high court and speak to our political reporter paul scoins who's outside paul remind us where we are in the legal proceedings because this issue has been before the courts before hasn't it yeah, that's right, Ian. It first went in December, which is when we had the first few days, uh, there was a week of, of uh, judicial reviews, um, and we will now hopefully hear that end today. We're expecting a result, as Adam might have said, around 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, there were five days uh, initially booked in for the judicial reviews, and there's, again, again, five judicial reviews which are there. So the idea was that you'd hear one a day, although some did spill over, and indeed it was five days of extremely detailed legal argument. So we will get a feeling later today about whether or not those those arguments from the uh, campaigners have been successful. Uh, um, why are people opposed to HS2? I mean, we heard a story earlier on from a gentleman who lives four metres, I think, just out of the, the compulsory purchase zone, and he's, he's in a wheelchair and he's worried about how he's going to get around with all the works going on. But, but what other reasons? Is, is it just nimbyism? 
Well, that's it's uh, a difficult one. I, I would, they would say no. They would say they brought these judicial reviews on more than just the impact to their own lives. They say that the uh, there've been a, uh, a number of serious problems with the way that it's been consulted on, with the way that the environmental impact has been assessed, and also with the way that the compensation is going to be assessed as well. But it's very hard to ignore some of those people's arguments. We've heard, as you say, from people who live right next door to the route. We've indeed heard from people whose houses are now worth approximately zero pounds because of this uh, route, which is still not even going to realistically be used or built for another 30 years or so. So the impact on people's lives is one thing, but they, the campaigners, are saying that it's more than that. It's about the way that the uh, process was conducted and indeed how it is going to be addressed in the future, how the process is going to be addressed in the future. Which groups have submitted evidence to the High Court against the HS2 project? Well, there's a number of councils who call themselves the 51M Alliance, and they include uh, several councils from our area, Bucks County Council, uh, Aylesbury Vale, Chiltern, you've got South Bucks as well, and Three Rivers from Hertfordshire, you've also got Wickham as well. And the leader of Buckinghamshire County Council, uh, Martin Tett, is the chairman of that group. You've also got the HS2 Action Alliance, who've brought two reviews. You've got Aylesbury Golf Course, who've brought a, uh, a review about where the line is going to cut through their, ha- uh, their course. They say that 12, cu- 12 holes will be absolutely decimated, making their course completely useless. I've spoken to Richard Houghton this morning from the HS2 Action Alliance. I've had a quick phone chat with with him he said that he'd be very surprised if we won or lost them all he said the onus is on us to prove that the process is flawed so they say that there's a high barrier of proof needed to get over that because they've got to basically prove that the government was wrong but they say they've got a strong case on the environmental impact and on the compensation argument so we're expecting them to join us in around about uh, 55 minutes to an hour uh, they've said that they'll be here for around nine o'clock is when we'll start to see some protesters and some campaigners Paul, what's the likely the steps of the high court Paul, sorry what's the likely outcome today can we, can we predict anything have we been given any clues well, I, I'll tell you what won't happen, Ian. It won't be dismissed out of hand. We're not going to see at the end of today that HS2 has been cancelled. That certainly was never on the cards, and the judge is not in a position to make that. What he could do, what he could do, is is say that the uh, consultation process is flawed, and parts of that maybe have to be done again. He may say that the way that the environmental uh, impact has been perhaps not addressed in in as much detail as it could have been needs to be redone. There may be some elements about where the route goes that he might comment on. Uh, ultimately, this is going to then be the next step that they will, the, the campaigners will have to then address those issues that come up in the review and see if they can make any, uh, any headway on those. What they have told us, and I've spoken to Martin Ter, he said that he, this is not the end. If they lose today, he is absolutely prepared to take it to Europe. He will take it to uh, the next stage in, in the European court. So whatever happens today this is certainly not the end of the campaigner's journey against high-speed rail paul scoins outside the high court in london thank you very much we'll uh, keep listening to three counties you'll be hearing more of that story throughout the day and uh, no doubt paul will be popping up on roberto's show later on uh, this afternoon now the story in the sun today but breastfeeding wonderful fine love it Somebody else's kids? No, no. I don't know why it strikes me as odd, but it makes me very uncomfortable. Abby from Stevenage, what do you think? Hi, yeah. Morning. Morning. Um, I think it was pretty strong that you're saying that you're kind of suggesting that it's perverted to breastfeed someone else's child. No, nope, I, didn't, I didn't say perverted, I said weird. You, you used perverted earlier. When oh, I did I? Thinking. In that case, yes, yeah. I think it's perverted, if that's what I said. Well, the thing is, if my sister, who's got three children, and I've got one myself, yes. if she, for whatever reason, couldn't breastfeed any of her children, um, 
I would, of course, I'd, I'd step up and, and do it because I know the health benefits of breastfeeding. Um, and you said earlier that it was also dirty to breastfeed someone else's child, but actually breast milk, breast milk is sterile. Well, so I think when I said dirty, I don't mean it was actually in the filthy sense. I was using that as a slightly flippant word. But you could, you could um, get a pump and put it into a bottle. But the, the, there's benefits as well as uh, of, of actually doing the ritual of breastfeeding. It's the closeness, the eye contact. Um, you're providing loads of different sensory um, benefits f- for the baby. You know, it, it's not just the actual milk. How it's old? Whole- would, how old would you would you carry on breastfeeding? What age should you stop breastfeeding a child? I'd stop breastfeeding my child when they wanted to stop breastfeeding um, and it's a mother's right to to breastfeed her child as long as she wants to well, and I up don't to the age of four if they if if a woman wants to breastfeed her oh, child no. up to the age of four then let them what who, See, that who, is who are you to say that they can't she can't breastfeed up until the age of four when the kid can start asking for a bit of mummy's breast that that you, that you should have stopped by then that's definitely wrong well uh, by by whose law you know no not, not by any law but just by sorry surely by standards that's it it's a, uh, nine months a year yeah it's stop there 18 months mm, okay that's kind of pushing it a bit but four years old four they're four years old they should be sitting down at a table and eating with a knife and fork yeah perhaps so but then that's that's for no one else to say that that you know that's that well no it is we're, we're allowed make that decision well, no we're allowed we're allowed to have our opinions on these things aren't we certainly yeah you can have your opinions there we go. it's it's the mother's right to say my opinion is to age age four yeah i mean i personally wouldn't do it no but you know but sometimes mother sometimes mothers don't know best do they and we have to step in and say come on now step <laughs> up to the mark that's not that's not appropriate behavior well, I, I mean, if I met you and you told me that I wasn't allowed to breastfeed my child in, in to four years old, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know what I'd do because I, it's my right, you know, and I don't, I don't think I'd accept that from anyone else. Threat of violence. Sorry. Threat of violence. Sorry, say that again. I can't. Was, was that a threat of violence? <laughs> no, it's not a threat of violence. But I, you know, as a mother, I think that you are. You should be able to. Um, say how long you want to breastfeed your children Abby, thank you very much indeed 08459 455 555 is the phone number Appreciate the call Let's get the travel news now with Brooke Burfitt Beds, hearts and bucks travel BBC Three Counties Radio Starting with the M25 anti-clockwise at stop-start this rush hour between Junction 27 for the M11 and 25 for Enfield. It's also very slow anti-clockwise from Junction 18 at Chorleywood to 16, the junction for the M40. Over in Enfield on the A10 heading into London, traffic is crawling along from Bullsmoor Lane to Southbury Road. The A1 Barnet Bypass in Borehamwood, that's queuing from Stirling Corner all the way to Mill Hill Circus. And in St Albans, Redbourne Road into town, that's picked up on my cameras as uh, moving right slowly. It's also fairly busy in Harpenden on the High Street in both directions. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Morning, it's 8.17. It's Friday the 15th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A decision is expected on whether the government made serious errors before approving HS2. People living in Baldock say they've been fooled into thinking a local care home was for the elderly when actually it's for mental health patients. In sport, England's cricketers are on top after the second day of the second test against New Zealand. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks cloudy with some sleep possible at first then occasional rain. It's going to be cold although the maximum temperature is 8 degrees. Coming up, yesterday we told you the story of Steve Baker, MP for Wickham and how he was raising concerns in the House of Commons about Bucks NHS. We'll hear more about that before 
8.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer, across beds, hearts and bucks. This afternoon I'm live from Bletchley Park. I'll be taking part in the Enigma Challenge, finding out about the history of the park and why it was so important during the war. Nick Coffer. There'll be a little bit of light comic relief, music from the three bells, and I'll be getting crafty with threads and patches. Nick Coffer. Live from Bletchley Park today from midday. BBC Three Counties Radio. What are you doing here? Uh, is it a meeting today? Yeah, oh, is it a meeting? I've never had a meeting in this job. You had a meeting. I'll take a day off. A day off from meeting. meeting. Never understood that. Oh, he'll, he'll be on heart soon, yeah. I bet. How's your, how's your cake? <laughs> That's my cake, isn't it? Don't look at it. Don't even touch it. I don't want you anywhere near my cake. I've left mine next door. We'll be doing that a little bit later on. We're okay. having the Great Bake Off. We've got uh, the winner of the, the, the Great Bake Off is coming in to judge our cakes. Yeah. I'm totally going to win because I have uh, spent a lot of time. I can see a lot of love went into that. Last night making mm. that cake, and it is a wonderful, wonderful wonderful creation. I'm not sure about your ganache. Looks like it's snowed on there. Which bit's the ganache? <laughs> That's the top bit. Yeah, that, yeah, I know. It's the ganache. It's meant to be the... It's the ganache. It's meant to be the ganache. Yeah, yeah, can I, I just have a yes. quick word? Yes, Ollie, I'm just talking to David. I, I think you should be honest. Ollie, I'm going to just uh, turn your what's microphone... What's, what, what's on your show today? Uh, coming up after nine, do we enough to, uh, do enough to support people who fought for this country? Really interesting report out this morning saying that members of the armed forces returning from duty are more likely to commit violent offences than the rest of the population. Uh, results in the Lancet Medical Journal come ten years now after the start of the war in Iraq. Do we do enough to support those who have served and fought for our country? And unless you have relatives or friends in the armed forces, you probably have no idea about this. So I want to hear your stories this morning. Do we do enough to support those who have fought for for this country. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Go on, off you go. Speak After to nine o'clock. See you in a little bit. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. We will be uh, speaking. Uh, David Prever a little bit later on in the show as um, we, uh, we we compare cakes I've got to say have you seen uh, you seen my cake Sophie? I have I've, I heard you were up last night making that I was up very busy last night making that cake and I'm looking forward to uh, trying it a bit later it's on it's lovely now yesterday on uh, yesterday sorry we told you uh, the story of a Buckinghamshire MP uh, who was raising his concerns in the House of Commons about Buck's NHS Steve Baker MP for Wickham was calling for greater accountability and transparency in the NHS well uh, Sophie Sophie Solaria has been following this story and joins us in the studio now. Sophie, what was said in the Commons yesterday? Well, Steve Baker, the MP for Wickham, highlighted the case of Edward Maitland. He said that Mr Maitland was a frail man with pneumonia and needed not to have died at Wickham Hospital. Speaking in the Commons yesterday, Steve Baker said that Edward Maitland's son had clearly explained when his father arrived at hospital that he could not eat solid food. But the post-mortem found he had Weetabix in his lungs. Two words would have saved the life of Edward Maitland. No solids. No solids. On the records on the end of his bed, on a band on his wrist perhaps, and up above his bed, no solids. If they'd simply not given him solids. The situation actually in his case is very simple. A man died who ought not to have died. Mr Baker went on to say there may be a legal case to be taken. In this case, it may be... At least at the preliminary stage, it may be that there is a case to answer for corporate manslaughter and liability for gross negligence manslaughter may well be attributable to one or more individual employees of the hospital. Now, I don't want people to be prosecuted unnecessarily, Mr Speaker, and I don't want to see taxpayers' money wasted. But what I do want is accountability. And I believe... I believe that in the end the courts provide that crucial accountability. 
Edmund Maitland's son, Gary, now has this advice, and I have left it in his court to decide whether to approach the police. I have briefed the police superintendent in Wickham as to the circumstances. Now, Sophie, you uh, actually managed to uh, speak to Edward Maitland's family. They must be clearly very distressed. They are, of course, incredibly distressed, as you can imagine. I spoke to the family yesterday. They told me that although Edward had died over a year ago, on December the 16th, 2011, their emotions were still very raw and the whole family was still very, very shaken. Mr Maitland had uh, lived on a diet of liquidised food since 1996, when part of his tongue was removed after he developed oral cancer. So when the post-mortem found a large amount of food in his throat and lungs which led to the infection and ultimately his death well as you can imagine the family were left feeling pretty sad and distressed they say they can't comment further at this stage however they have told bbc three counties that they've not to this present day received a written apology from either high wickham hospital or nhs buckinghamshire and if they were to receive one now they would not consider it as genuine what have bucks nhs trust said about this we approached bucks nhs to come on the show this morning ian they declined um, at this stage but they did issue me with this statement they say Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust is saddened and shocked by Steve Baker's comments in the house today we have strived to have an open and honest dialogue with all our MPs over recent years and are sorry if Steve does not feel that this has been the case and has used parliamentary privilege as a means to raise his concerns we strongly encourage Steve or any other individual to contact us directly with any concerns particularly those referred to today in the house as we continuously strive to offer the best quality of care to our patients. Sophie, thank you very much. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, as you've been hearing throughout the show, people living in Baldock say they have been fooled or bamboozled into thinking a residential home at the end of their gardens was for the elderly, when in fact it's for people with mental health problems and learning difficulties. Baldock Manor is listed online as being a home for people with mental illness and learning disabilities, but the planning application was simply for a care home. Conservative councillor Michael Muir, who represents Baldock at Hertfordshire County Council, thinks the planning laws need to change. Why do they need to change, Michael? Well, um... Any residential home is under the category of C2. So you can apply for an elderly person residential home and then put in uh, a mental institution, uh, a home for drug addicts, a home for alcoholics, uh, and this is right at the end of their garden. Uh, They've just erected, without planning permission, uh, a ten-foot stockade. Um, well, it's it's a fence, isn't it? And the fence is up is up for debate. There is there there is a chance that might get taken down, isn't there? Uh, well, it'll have to um, be taken down to six foot, uh, which is the maximum you can put a fence up without planning permission. But what's wrong? What, why, why are people upset about having a, a home for people with mental illness and learning difficulties? Uh, because they've been lied to. Uh, it, the application has been is being deceitful if the application had said it was for people with mental illness would you have supported it um probably yes um, well, then so what's the problem then it, 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 well, it's, it's changed its way, purpose it's the way they've gone about it this can happen anywhere in the country you can apply for a residential home then turn it into something else but i don't see what the problem is with having a home for mentally ill people well there's a lot um as far as the residents are concerned um, they've been lied to. But, uh, but, but, but if you're saying that there's not a problem with it being... if it had been flagged up as a home for mentally ill people before... Well, the, the problem is, 
is that the residents could have gone along to the uh, uh, planning committee and voiced their opinion. Now, no one voiced opinion against a, a residential home for the elderly. Why would they have voiced opinion against the residential because home for mentally ill people? They, because if they didn't want it, then they can... Um, talk against the application why might they and not want is, it that is their right why might they not want it well they're they're saying that um uh if any of those people get out uh they could cause damage they mm. could cause assaults uh why would they so cause forth. assaults michael well you know it's the fear of the unknown as exactly. far as the residents as far as the residents can i what i've got from talking um listening to their reports and and, and <clears throat> speaking to people on this is that um, there's, there's a little bit of bigotry, it would appear, an undercurrent of bigotry towards people with mental illness well, and learning I difficulties. Know. I don't... I, I, I wouldn't people, agree people, totally with you on that. Well, people coming out saying, oh, we're upset by the... I, I would have supported it had it had we known it was a, a for mentally ill people, but they lied to us, so that's why we're complaining. It doesn't well, sound are, true, does it? They are complaining uh, because of that. But uh, it doesn't really hold much water. If they wouldn't have complained if they'd known it was for, for mentally ill well, people... We, they don't know. Um, I mean, certain people um, have said to me, uh, and the whole road virtually is in agreement uh, that they've been lied to, and and they would have voiced an opinion against it. Now, what opinion they would say is up to them. Um, but it, it it hasn't gone down well. Uh, the deceit from this company. I don't. Again, this. Uh I'm not sure, Michael. I buy the fact that people are upset because of the deceit. I think they're using this as a clever little way to hide the fact that actually they don't want a load of nutters living near them. Mm, well, um, I, I can't say whether that is 100% true, uh, but it is the fear, as you put it, of having a load of nutters living next to them. Uh, but why would the they be fear. afraid? Why would they be? Af- why are people? I don't understand. We need, surely we need to change people's attitudes towards mental illness. And why, why are we afraid of it so much? Do you think? Well, it's the fear of the unknown. Well, let's let's learn about it. Let's embrace yeah. it. But there are. There's been a lot of noise coming from there. Um, uh, from from residents, uh, I have had complaints uh, about that, uh, and it will only get worse in the summer when uh, they're out uh, oh. at the back of the building. Heaven for Fen, we let them out into the sunlight. Uh, Michael, listen, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we did ask Navita, who run the home, for a comment, but so far they've failed to provide one, so we haven't been able to confirm whether there is a secure unit or a lock-up, as the residents call it, at Bulldog Manor. I'm supposed to be vaguely impartial on this. I'm, I'm struggling to be impartial on this. I don't see the problem. I don't see the problem. And I'm not convinced I buy this, um, this line, well, we were lied to in the application. Because if, if people wouldn't have objected if they'd known what it was for, then what, what does it matter? Am I being a bit naive? Would I, would I mind having one of these um, down the road from me? No, I, I, I honestly wouldn't. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Let's get the travel news now with Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thank you, Ian. The M1 is still busy this morning, heading towards London between Junction 12 at Flitwick to 11 at Dunstable. In Enfield, on the A10 heading into London too, traffic is crawling on from Bullsmore Lane to Southbury Road. Over on the M25, it's been very congested anti-clockwise this morning. It's stop-start between Junction 27 for the M11 and 25 for Enfield. It's also very slow from Junction 18 at Chorleywood to 16 for the M40. And finally, on the M40, Western Avenue is slow coming off the A40 at Denham Roundabout, heading towards the M25. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three, Counties Radio. Thank you very much. We're just arranging our cakes for comic relief. And I have to say, mine looks probably the best. We'll discuss this some more after the steady on. Here's the news with Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The editor of a rail magazine says the country is in desperate need of a new rail line like the HS2, which is set to run through Buckinghamshire. It comes as the High Court will today decide whether the government made serious errors or not before approving the high-speed rail line. Some residents living near a care home in Baldock say they never knew it was for people with mental health problems. Baldock manners for people with mental illness and learning disabilities, but the planning application simply says a care home. Well, North District Council says the planning permission still stands because it was granted to care for people who need it. Now, a decision's been made to build homes in a field near the M1. That's despite people living nearby. They had been trying Across to stop beds, the plans by declaring it an official village green that were let down at a meeting by Luton Borough Council Radio. last night. And a pub in Luton, which is being refurbished, has been damaged by fire once again. Investigations are still ongoing into Railway Tavern in Hightown Road, and police are treating it as suspicious. Now, that's the news with all the nice little jingles. Now, let's turn to all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's see if we can try again. Watford striker Troy Deeney says he's learned from his past mistakes ahead of tomorrow's championship match at Barnsley. Deeney actually missed the beginning of the season because of a jail sentence. Elsewhere, MK Dons are in League One action against promotion challengers Tranmere at Stadium MK tomorrow. Manager Carl Robinson feels the visitors should be celebrated for what they've achieved this season, but he's still desperate to claim three points. We've got to take a hat off and applaud them. They're coming to this. We played them and they were top. I will beat them. I want to beat them again on Saturday. But there's a, a great deal of respect that I've got for that football club, as you well know, as a part of the world that I know well. Board the directors and everybody there, I know them personally as well. So it'd be nice to sort of meet up with them. But I've got to beat them. Meanwhile, Luton Town manager John Still has promised to make lots of changes to his playing squad in the summer. The Hatters are at leaders Wrexham. Meanwhile, Andre Villas-Boas expects UEFA to take action against Inter Milan. It comes after some of their supporters appeared to racially abuse Tottenham players at the San Siro. Monkey chants were heard and an inflatable banana was seen in the crowd during the Europa League last 16 second leg tie. Finally in boxing, Bedford's Matt Skelton fights for the vacant English heavyweight title later on tonight. BBC Three Counties Radio, there'll be more news okay. and sports at nine. Nine o'clock, yes. That's right, no, thanks. Okay. I'm no. glad you're on the ball for once, um, Ian. No, listen, thanks. let me, let, let me just apologise. <laughs> Serena, I, I'm going to do something I do very rarely. I'm going to apologise to you right. on air. Thanks. What happened was, is we are sorting out the cakes for our little bake-off for Comic I'm bored Relief. already. Oh. But Across <laughs> beds, hearts and bars, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Before we get to the cakes, we've been talking, it's, it's, it's all food this morning, we've been talking breastfeeding. There's an article in The Sun about two sisters swapping their kids and breastfeeding them. It, it doesn't sound right to me. Is it ever okay to breastfeed someone else's children? Well, Justin Dealey has been out uh, and about in three counties this morning. Justin? Yes, hello Ian. In the first hour we had uh, a mixed reaction to yes. this news story. Some were, well let's be honest, absolutely appalled by it. Others said, well, they're sisters, what's the problem? I've been out talking to mothers in Lucent in the last 30 minutes or so and this is what they've had to say in. Okay, Deanna, uh, honest views. Um, this story, what's your reaction? I don't think it's particularly right. It's actually made my stomach churn. Um, it, it shouldn't happen. It's not right. It's just not right at so all. So it's that appalling that it's I, making your stomach churn? I think so. I mean, there's sisterly love, but I think that's taking it a little bit too far, to so, be perfectly honest. So quite clearly, you'd never let anybody else breastfeed your child then? No, no, I wouldn't. wouldn't even dream of it. It's wrong. I don't know what else to say. It's just so wrong. Well, morning to you, Helen. Who's this little fella here? This then? is Reese. And how old's Reese? Uh, he's 19 months. 19 months. So it puts you in a good position to answer this question about these two sisters. What they're doing, is that acceptable? I wouldn't do it, and I don't think it's particularly acceptable, no. Um, I just think it's, a, I think it's a bit strange, really, to be perfectly honest. So, no, it wouldn't be what I would do. Well, Christine, you've heard about this story. You've been yes. listening to Ian on the way into work this morning. Yes, I have. Would you do this for your sister? No, I'm a twin, but I would find it a little bit weird, actually, if she asked me to um, breastfeed her daughter. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think I would. I, I, I think a, a baby prefers its own mother's milk anyway. You know, I don't even know if a baby would even take to that, really, because they know they can smell their mother's own milk, don't they? So, um, I'm not outraged, but I do... It's a little weird, yeah. I mean, do you think the majority of our listeners will be listening to this and reading it in the papers thinking, do you know what, that is just wrong, That that is just sick... Uh, yeah, I, I've heard some of the responses, actually, and I think some people are outraged. I mean, all right, yeah, they're sisters, and it would be even more weird if it was a complete stranger. I think that would be really not right. So, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit weird. Not maybe, not as strong as most people might think, but uh, I don't think I could do it, no. Well, so, people not that keen, are they? No, absolutely not. I mean, in the first hour, we found a couple of people who said, look, you know, what's the problem? Uh, they're sisters, I'm sure they're going to have healthy children, but when you actually go and speak to young mothers like I did there in the last 30 minutes or so in Loose and Clearly. Uh, they think this is wrong. Um, it could be even worse, I suppose. We could be talking about two friends here. They are sisters, but but certainly the majority of people I've spoken to this morning think this is just unacceptable. We've had a couple of angry phone calls, Justin, disagreeing mm. with very, very strongly. I think I've upset some of the mums in the three counties. We heard that last lady there. She heard the reaction on the way to work this yep. morning. She was listening to your programme. Yes, she thinks it's wrong. She's not outraged, but certainly the majority of people hearing about this story, reading about this story, just think, mm, it's just a bit weird for me. Now, Justin, it's comic relief today. Yes. W- what are you doing for charity? Uh, <laughs> I knew you was going to ask me that. I've been looking for things to do. Oh. I've been looking for outrageous things. Maybe people sitting in a, a bath of beans at a loosened train station, I'll tell you what, something I, like that. I will sponsor you 20 quid if you do up a button on your shirt. How about that? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll tell you what's also not going to happen is I'm, I've got David Priva, we've got uh, Gareth and we've got Helen here. We've all made cakes... And you were asked to make a cake by mm. Liz, who organised this, and you went, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> well, the thing is, do you want food poisoning? Do you want to be in work on Monday? You being a freelance broadcaster, yes. if you're not in work, you won't get paid. So Justin it's your Daly. choice. Thank you very much indeed. It is comic relief. And some bright spark, it was Liz in the office, suggested that, that me and some of the other presenters here at the station have a, a cheeky little bake-off. Inspired by the great Comic Relief Bake Off and Mary and Paul's efforts to get us all to consider doing a bake sale for Comic Relief, we've been set a technical challenge. So we've all been told to cook a mocha marble love cake and we were given 
very strict instructions, and I can see yeah. that one, at least one person has not followed those instructions closely. The other sucker's taking part, David Prever. Good morning, David. Good yeah, morning. Uh, oh, hey, whoa, hey. Oh, hey. Uh, we've got Gareth Lloyd from BBC Introducing. Hello. And we've got Helen Lee. Good morning. Good morning. Now, Helen Lee, yes. you're like, I don't think you should even be in this competition. No. Why? You're a girl. Because you're a proper, you're a proper cake maker. No, I'm not. I am, I am an amateur cake maker who enjoys making cakes, and as you will find out from seeing my cake, quite often mine don't go that right. I do love baking, though. But you and you, but your, your Twitter name is I Make right. Cakes or something. Yeah, cake he- Lover. Helen Cake Fiend, yes. so I think you'll find. I, I just think it's a little bit unfair that you've, you've got involved You in haven't this. tasted my cake. Okay. <laughs> Gareth, are you much of a cake, ma- cake maker? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. How's your ganache? You, my, how what? did you struggle yeah, with it? I mean, was that, that? Was, that was a... How, how what was did you yours? do to... Yeah, I was up very late last night. I was kids to bed. Quite on Twitter though, weren't you? Very quiet. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, we're being judged <laughs> by the 2010 winner because I was busy c- cooking. I couldn't tweet it. The Great British Bake Off. Uh, it's Ed Kimmer. Good morning, Ed. Good morning. Now listen, you you did spe- the Great British Bake Off. I've only caught bits of it, but you have to do ridiculous things on there, don't you? Yeah, it's a very long process with lots of different baking. So uh, this seems quite simple. Well, I, 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 I did I did see some of the cakes that you made on there, yeah. and they're all very fancy. You could almost live in them. Some of them are so <laughs> intricate. If they asked you to make a cake house, you could do it. Yeah, last year, last year's show they had to make uh, gingerbread houses, and someone made a gingerbread um, and, uh, stadium, kind of uh, Roman stadium last year. So, That's just um, showing off, isn't it? It was a bit showing off, yeah. But look, you, we've got our cakes here, and there are pictures on on Facebook and Twitter. So these these must look basic yet delicious to you, Ed. Uh, some of them look delicious. <laughs> oh. Some of them look interesting. Okay, okay. Well, the, 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 this one here looks like it's been dropped. Let's let's start with. <laughs> you don't know whose is whose. Let's start with cake A. Cake A is is here. I've got to say. KK looks flipping marvellous. Mm. Really, I don't want to, don't know whose that is, but it looks really nice. That's very dense texture, as as a lot of the best cakes do. <laughs> <laughs> we like it. He's tasting it. He's having a little try. What about the marbling on the inside of KK? Yeah, there's no real um, marbling. It's more. I don't want to bring that up. Dull grey. Dull grey. Yes. Okay. All right. It tastes it's nice. Nice. You, you want it into a marble cake? Yes. Okay. It tastes nice. Yeah, but tastes... real marble. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes nice, but it is quite dry. Yes. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Right. All right. That's 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 interesting. Are you, <laughs> you, are you sure? Is he the winner from the Great British Bake Off? Are we sure about that? Okay. Let's move on to Cake B, which looks like some sort of brilliant cheese onion pasty. Now, Cake B does look like it has sunk, but apparently it's had the top cut off because it domed. But um, oh. that's from someone who's never baked before, because cakes are supposed to dome. Okay. Yes, of course they are. That's what a cake. <laughs> but this one is domes. really moist, and it does have a really nice marble to it. So okay. Let's. All right. How, uh, did, how did you marble, Ian? Sh- 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 let, let Ed do his judging, please. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, seriously. That's right. It's poisoned. Ed it is very nice, but it's very, it's very moist, and um, the ganache is quite nice as well. Very smooth. But okay, let's let's go to cake C, which I'll be honest, looks embarrassing. It looks <laughs> nice. <laughs> it looks embarrassing. I don't know what that is on top of it. <laughs> I heard a rumour, by the way, that whoever made cake C ran out of cocoa powder uh, and, um, and didn't have any coffee, so had to use camp coffee. Why Just did, saying. Why are both ends chopped off of it? it got coffee? Because it wouldn't fit, who, I, I believe, it wouldn't fit on the... Um, have these cakes the got coffee in? Surprising yeah, how much you that's know. Why it's, that's why it's a mocha. Oh, chocolate mocha. None of them really taste of coffee. Also, surely, <laughs> surely you'd know that, having made it yourself last night, you'd know what ingredients there were. Let Ed, let Ed please, Helen, this is not your show, no, this is mine. Let Ed... <laughs> this one's alright. It's not bad, it's quite moist. It's alright. Um, a little bit dry, but it's... Uh, isn't it? A little bit. It's fine. Okay, let's go to cake. Well, this one's very odd, because D. it's about double the size of all the others. We were given... The, the, we're not sure how this is. Yeah, but even in a square taste. Never mind about the loaf I think it's double the loaf I should say, we've all been following the same recipe. This is from a book that's for sale of, of, for comic relief that's yes. got lots of recipes in. So it's the Bake Off. It's the best of the Bake Offs over 
the last few years, all in a comic relief book that okay. um, that we bought to buy to um, to raise money for comic relief and make these cakes. You say bought, Gareth, with the BBC. We got it for free. But yes, point taken. We'll, we'll, we'll be reaching into our pockets at some point. You've tried. You've got cake D there, Ed. What? Uh, you're being very polite, by the way. If you think cake D sucks, then say it sucks. Well, the one that really sucks was cake A. But, you know. Oh. <laughs> and cake D. How was cake Cold. D? It's all right. Out of interest. Mrs. Priva did well. Is it? Only all right. <laughs> Okay, well, listen. I think I think we can reveal. Well, first of all, who? What's the winning? Let's have them in reverse order. Let's have so, let's have uh, the fourth place. Or up to the winner. Unfortunately, the worst cake is a. Oh, oh was that, was that your bad lucky. Bad lucky. That was okay. Apparently. No, that's fair enough. That was okay. Sorry. That was my cake. Yes, KK. Okay. Um, I did come last on Come Dine with me, so it kind of makes sense. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Are you judging on looks or taste? What what overrides? But everything. What overrides though? Everything. Everything. Oh. Taste is most important, though. Taste is always more important. Uh, Ian, can I just can I have that? Twenty pound you paid me. Ollie, to Ollie, make I've your got Ed cake. Kimber from. <laughs> Sorry, can I just oh. have the, the twenty pound? It's not worth. You said you'd pay me to make the cake. You I weren't going to mention you. this on air. Outrageous. This is this is. Right. Sorry, you did, you did say you paid me before yeah, the show. I, get out. I came last. <laughs> get out. I came last. <laughs> Thank you, Ollie, for nothing. Uh, You're fired from being a work experience boy. <laughs> Ed, which uh, which cake would you say is the third? <laughs> well, I'd say third is probably a draw between uh, C and D. Yeah. And then B would have to win. B was the winning oh, cake! Now, BBC introducing cake maker well, of the week. Yes. It, it does look quite weird because it's had the chop cut off, but it is the moistest and probably the nicest. Okay. okay. Good for you, Gareth. Oh, did, did you make it, Gareth, or did your Do girlfriend? You know, um, my girlfriend knows the recipe, so stood behind me and told me what I was doing wrong. But she, she was really strict that she wouldn't help at all in the actual baking yeah. process, and she told me an idiot for cutting off the top because cake should dome not. <laughs> You've never seen a cake. I well, I, I thought cut it off straight because it looked nice. <laughs> And that's why it's flat. David, you you came, you joined second. Joined with the cake did, themed. Did you yeah. did you make your cake? Mm-hmm. Had a little bit of uh, support along the way. Uh, that was yeah. Mrs. Priva. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and Helen, you must be you must genuinely be gutted. I'm 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 going to have to go home now and just eat cake until Helen's looks prettiest. Helen's do- Helen's it does look very yeah. pretty. It's very very pretty. But uh, I always say anything bad just covering ice and sugar. Was not mine, saying that's no, bad, but <laughs> was mine really the worst? Yeah. Ollie, you are in so oh. much trouble. You are in so much. I didn't I, listen. I didn't have time to make mine last night because I was leading a very very busy celebrity lifestyle. I was uh-huh. was, was out with I know. What computer game was it? Well, I was out with Sue Pollard. <laughs> Were you really? It's very rare I get to say that. She is bonkers, but isn't she delightful? Oh, she's the loveliest woman. She's ever. The, is the nice. Nicest woman ever, totally. Sue Pollard. You, what were you doing with Sue Pollard? I was, I was judging a beauty contest. <laughs> With Amy LeMay. You really, this, uh, uh, Amy LeMay is wonderful as well. Yeah. You, th- th- this, uh, winning the Great British Bake Off in 2010 really has uh, sent your career <laughs> stratosphere. has, <laughs> generally. Ed, what, what are you up to at the moment? What are you um, doing? My second book came out last year. And I'm hoping to start working my third in the next couple of weeks. So, um, Cook, a cookery book, I would yeah, assume. What, what is, what, what is, what's it called? Give it uh, a the second one's called Say It With Cake, uh, okay. and that's also being published in the US in August as well. Okay, well, so. listen, if you, if you need any recipes from me, Ed, <laughs> then... I know where to avoid. You, uh, cheeky. Uh, David, lovely, you're filling in for JVS today, aren't you? So we'll see you Yeah, a lot of cake. Three hours of cake. Uh, three hours of cake. Ed, thank you very much. Gareth and Helen. Well, leave, leave some of the cake here for me to Which try. Which one would you like Wait. us to leave? Yeah, yours. I think you have to try yours. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, if I have to. I'll have my bit of Gareth. Thank you very much. Right, 8.45, <laughs> let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Traffic is starting to lighten up on the M25 anti-clockwise this morning. It's still slow from Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey to 25 in Enfield. And anti-clockwise, it's still some congestion from 18 at Chorleywood to 16 for the M40. On the M40 Western Avenue, that's very busy coming off the A40 at the Denham Roundabout, heading towards the M25. And in St Albans, I can see on my camera's Redbourne Road. That's quite slow this morning heading into town. The M1 still has queues southbound from Junction 12 at Flitwick to 11 at Dunstable. No problems reported on the trains this morning. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. Right, uh, normality resumes to a certain extent, although I can see the bagpipes warming up next door. Good morning, it's 8.46. It's uh, uh, Friday the 15th of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A rail magazine editor says the country is in desperate need of a new rail line, just like the HS2. A decision has been made to build homes in a field near the M1 despite people living nearby. And in sport, Andre Villas-Boas expects UEFA to take action against Inter Milan after some of their supporters appeared to racially abuse Tottenham players last night. Coming up Friday, we like to end the show with a little bit of music, and something a little bit different. We've had harpists, we've had four-part harmonies. This week, we've been banging on about it all week. We've got some bagpipes coming in. But before that, here's the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. We'll definitely be listening to those bagpipes. It's not all that nice outside, I'm afraid. We're going to see continue to see those outbreaks of rain for the rest of the day. Perhaps those, the, perhaps they'll be pepping up into this afternoon as well. Certainly some heavier bursts of rain on the way and it will turn quite persistent through the late afternoon and the overnight period. But on and off really for much of the rest of the morning. And, um, temperatures today getting up to 7 or 8 degrees Celsius in Luton and Ellsbury, Milton Keynes and Stevenage too. That's, uh, that's 46 in Fahrenheit so yes it is a bit milder than it has been recently but underneath all the cloud the rain and indeed the wind the wind is going to really pick up into this afternoon it's not going to feel all that pleasant outside all of this is going to carry on into this evening again the rain turning a bit more persistent overnight and I think it will be a wet start to the day tomorrow kicking off the day on four or five degrees Celsius but a rather wet Saturday in store I think brightening up particularly over parts of Buckinghamshire as we get into the afternoon but do watch out for a few showers that rain band with us though for much of the morning temperatures all weekend between around six and eight degrees celsius it's 46 in fahrenheit it is disappointing really for the time of year but it's milder than it has been recently sunday the better day of the two there'll be a bit of brightness and sunshine out there just watch out for a few showers at times as well that's the forecast thank you very much BBC Introducing is your chance to hear unsigned, undiscovered and under-the-radar music on BBC Three Counties Radio. We showcase the best emerging talent from across beds, hearts and bucks with live sessions and exclusive recordings. And this Saturday, we're taking BBC Introducing to the Auburn Arena to celebrate the launch of Music City, a festival about local music, local venues and local people. Tune in this Saturday night and discover music you never knew existed. BBC Introducing, Saturday from 8 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Just to go back very quickly to this story uh, about the people living in Baldock who say they've been fooled, fooled and bamboozled into uh, giving the thumbs up to what they thought was going to be a care home for the elderly. 
Uh, and uh, it, it looks like, well, it is going to be a care home for people with mental illness. Well, lots of you on the Facebook page have been having your say. Uh, Paul says, these people are pathetic, for goodness sakes. Oh, hang on, I've just lost... Oh dear, I've just lost what Paul says for some reason. My computer's gone all funny. Let's have a little look and just get back Paul's comment again. These people are pathetic. Every day you pander to nimbies like this and they always seem to be folk in their twilight years. For goodness sake, get a life and let others get on with it. Uh, Alex says, this is no, there's no deception at all. This is nimbyism, pure and simple. Um, what else have uh, we got in here? Uh, I always, uh, um, Fifi says, I hope the, um, oh, no, 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 I don't want to read that. It's a bit, bit, bit nasty. Uh, Pete's in Stopsy. Morning, Pete. Good morning, Ian. Pete, what's, what's, what's your take on this? Do you understand that the residents are upset at this or, or, or not? Well, I'm absolutely disgusted at the attitude and the comments and the names that have been coming out towards the people that have to live in the residentials. Why is that? Well, my sister-in-law is profoundly mentally retarded, as you would say. Um, she's classed as autistic as well. She lived in a residential in Bulldog for a number of years. There always has been a residential in Bulldog. Don't think that this is a new thing. And um, these people have never given any trouble. Now, for the comments, I heard one, one, one comment come out calling them nutters. I mean, that's an absolute disgusting behaviour. Well, Pete, that, that was me using the phrase nutters to try and... Uh, 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 and I was using it in a context that, of course, I don't think they're nutters. I was just saying that that could possibly be the reaction of some people yeah. who, are, who are living there. So don't please don't... If for a second you thought that I actually meant that word, then please don't. Yeah, but, but I mean, Ian, I mean, if anybody made the comments, right, and, and towards the people and the attitude towards someone because of the colour of their skin or their sexuality, they'd be prosecuted. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted with the people. You should have cut them people off. I mean, it's disgraceful, the attitude that they've had. But, but Peter, why do you think people are so uh, afraid of mental illness? Well, the media doesn't exactly help, does it? People yep. don't actually know some of these people that have to live in the residentials because it's unsafe for them to be in the outside world. Not unsafe for the people around them. It's actually unsafe for these people to be outside because of the way people treat them and they mock them and, uh, and other things, you, you know, which shouldn't be happening in 2013. Pete, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much indeed. Well, let, let's move on, shall we? It's been a strange week uh, for, for many different reasons. It has been a very odd week, but we've managed to get through it. It started off on Monday with us talking about the bagpipes. I love them. I think they're wonderful. Well, some people on my team think they sound worse than the new David Bowie record, which is really saying something. Well, joining me now is Donald Reed, the pipe major of Bedford Pipe Band. Good morning, sir. Morning, Ian. You've got your pipes with you. Those are a fine set of pipes. Thank you very much. It, yeah, it's, a, it's a beautiful instrument, isn't it? Oh, yes. It's, it's, it looks very nice, actually. It's, it's, um, this is quite a, an advanced set with, with uh, um, silver mounts and ivory. And how much does a set of pipes cost? What's, a what's... basic set starts about 700 and it goes up from there, so it's... Uh, <sighs> That's expensive, isn't it? Yeah, the sky's the limit, really. Do you ever get people pl- coming up to you saying, oh, for goodness sakes, mate, j- jacket in, that sounds awful? <laughs> Not that often, really, no. <laughs> we usually go where we're wanted, so that does help. Yes. I, I th- Listen, I think it's... As I was telling you before we came on there, I've got Scottish heritage. My grandfather was Scottish, so I, the bagpipes were kind of always sort of faintly in the background. And it is. Uh, it's a majestic sound, isn't it? Yeah, very much so, yes. Um, particularly in a bike band. Tell me about the Bedford Pipe Band. How many people are in it? We've got 25 playing members. Yep. Um, I founded the current band in 1993. Um, but interestingly enough, we came across uh, another Bedford Pipe Band formed just after the Second World War by returning soldiers. 
it seemed to have faded out and uh, we've uh, reinstated it. You've reinstated it. Yes. And uh, uh, are they all Scottish people playing No, the not at all. Uh, people with an interest. Uh, many people do have Scottish heritage, of course, but... Mm. Uh, no, we're open to anyone who's, who's got interest in the backpack. And how did you get interested in it? Because it's not like, you know, hey, I'm go- I've just seen Elvis on the telly, I'm going to pick up a guitar and play. It's, it's, it, it involves a lot of commitment. It does, indeed, yes. No, my, personally, I, it's um, family tradition. My father's a piper and his father was before him, so mm. it's been passed down from father to son. Right. Now, without being rude... You are, um, uh, um, you're a little bit older. Yes. You, 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 you know, I don't want to get too personal. But uh, over 21. Oh, you're over 21. Uh, Thank you. That's uh-huh. the way. That's the way. Do, do any kids play the pipes? A few, yes, particularly in Scotland. I right. mean, it's, it's actually taught in schools. So it's very, is it? Yes, in Scotland. So it's quite a strong following up there. But is, is it, because my, my worry would be that it's, it's kind of could be potentially a dying instrument if there's no young blood coming in. I mean, we could always do with young blood, particularly down here, but um, I don't think it's going to die out for want of people coming forward. Now, uh, one of my, the, the, my favourite uses of, of uh, the bagpipes, Glen Campbell, country and western singer, oh, yes. uh-huh. sing Amazing Grace on stage. Uh-huh. I saw him in concert, sang Amazing Stra- Grace on stage, walked off, everyone put, oh, that's the end of the concert, well done. He came back on, playing the bagpipes, that's playing right. Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. Wonderful. It's not been used in rock and roll that much, has it? Not really, no. Um, there's one or two sort of groups in Scotland that do... Um, play the pipes in a sort of rock and roll type setting. Yeah, but I think ACDC used it once, but that's what it needs. It needs like Coldplay or someone <laughs> yes. to kind of do a, a pipe, a pipe album. Uh, are you able to play for us? With the, can, can you do it for yes, us now? Surely. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Look at this. Wonderful. He's inflating it. He's inflating his pipes. Here we go. I love it. Fantastic! I've gone a little bit deaf, if I'm completely honest, but that's wonderful. How hard are they to play? Quite hard, really. It's uh, you have to build up to it. You learn all your basics on an instrument called a practice chanter, which is obviously much quieter. Uh, baby pipes, baby pipes, yes. Because you're not. The thing is, is you're not. It's not like blowing a recorder where you're blowing what you're playing. You're filling up the bag, and so you're you're filling the bag. You're squeezing the bag, and you're fingering the pipes. That's it, and yes, I mean, the, the bag is nothing more than a reservoir of air which you use to squeeze out through the, the, the chanter and the drones. What kind of uh, gigs do you get booked for with the Bedford Pipe Band? Um, all sorts of things, fates, carnivals. Um, we've got a few of our members going out to Sweden later in the year to take part in the two out there. Really? You say, you say a few, I'm guessing you've not got that gig, you're not, you're not, uh, are you going out to Sweden? I'm going out to Sweden, yes. Wonderful. So there's about uh, three or four of us in there pipe bag. And do you, you're wearing a very smart suit now, I'm assuming yes. you're off to work. Do you, do you, <laughs> yeah, do you do the, the, the full kilt and the, the... I do, certainly, yes. That's for certainly public engagements. I and do you, full do you wear it as a proper Scotsman? Absolutely. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it's always the question, and I wore, we, I, I wore kilts a couple of years ago for my friend's wedding, we all wore kilts, and we're all, well, well do we? Yeah, okay. And it, it's something very freeing about it. Yes. Although you've got to be careful when you're doing those highland flings. Absolutely. On a high wind as well, yes. <laughs> can, we, can, can, can you give us another little burst? Absolutely. I think it sounds marvellous. Here we go. Well, this is uh, Donald Reed, the pipe major of Bedford Pipe Band. Take it away, sir. <laughs>
fantastic. I am, <laughs> I have gone deaf. Where, where's the drone coming from? Is the drone the squeezing of the bag? No, the drone comes out of these three tubes fly over your shoulder. Okay. And, and so the where's the melody coming from? The melody from? comes the out of the chanter, which is this piece in front of us here. I totally misunderstood how the whole thing worked. Isn't that fantastic? And when you were, when you were a youngster playing, I guess your, 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 your dad was a piper, but did your, your, your neighbours or your mum go, oh, for goodness sakes, not, not, <laughs> I've got a headache, not today. Donald, give us a break. No, not usually. I mean, I kept it within reasonable bones, obviously, but uh, no, I think people tend the, to... The, the Bedford Pipe Band, if people want to get in touch or book you or maybe mm. come and audition for it, what, what, how can they get in touch? Well, the easiest thing is to look up our website. I mean, it's under reconstruction at the moment, but we've got our contact details on it so right and uh, you, you you'd be more than welcome to uh, to, to people coming in and absolutely possibly yes definitely having a little more go. The and uh-huh. I, when i was looking into this there are quite a few pipe teachers in the three counties aren't there there are a few bagpipe teachers around there are. yes i mean I, I teach myself within the confines of the pipe band but right uh, certainly okay. yes there are well listen uh, donald thank you so much for coming it's a pleasure to meet you thank sir. you and thanks and so thank much you for just what a majestic way to start the weekend with the gorgeous pipes playing it's superb it's you got me in the, in the mood for the weekend donald thank you so right. much indeed thank well, you, very you much, yeah. the, the bedford pipe band if you want to find out more if you want to learn the pipes then go and have a, a cheeky little look just google bedford pipe band and the contact details will pop up Ah, right, let's get the travel news now with Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Well, traffic is slow on the M1 into London. Our speed sensors suggest it'll take about 20 minutes to get from Junction 12 at Flitwick to 11 at Dunstable. On the M25 anti-clockwise, traffic is travelling at an average of 30 miles an hour between Junction 16 for the M40 and 15 for the M4. The A405 North Orbital Road, that has queues at the roundabout for the M25 at Junction 21A. And there's also a long queue on the A1 Watford Way heading into town from the Apex Corner all the way to Mill Hill Circus. In Wealdstone, there are works going on the gas mains on the high road near Rising Home Road, and temporary lights are up, and that might cause some delays later. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three, Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. I cannot tell you, dear listener, what a good mood the... uh those pipes have put me in. They've cheered me right up. They were uplifting. I tell you what, they were flipping loud as well. My right ear has uh, has gone a little bit mutton, but never mind. Never mind. Who needs to hear over the weekend? It means I might get a lion when the kids wake up. That's it. That's your lot. Back on Monday, six o'clock. Stick around though, because filling in for JVS, it's the excellent David Prever. Till Monday. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian and the team. I was robbed on the cake off earlier. What can you do? Coming up on the big phone in at nine today, JVS is away. But it's business as normal. I want to hear from you on this question. Do we do 